Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. I'm Gareth. And we're here again, another uh, another Monday. Uh, we missed you, Gareth, over the weekend with our, our Zach Sabre Jr. mixtape, but yeah, good to be uh, back again. We were just doing a, a pre-show there. We were talking really positive, happy <laughs> topics like... <laughs> The death of Brit Res again. <laughs> Somehow we got into that. <laughs> We're all in a great mood now. <laughs> oh, it was like compared to last week's fucking wild, like anarchic going all over the shop. The pre show this week was it was it got very fucking news night, didn't it? Very quickly. Mm. Um and it started to get into like a big old a big old discussion. And I was like are we not meant to be talking fantasy league at this point in the proceedings or something along those lines? It's it's funny funny you to Ollie, Ollie at the wheel. It's, it's funny that you went news night there because oh. that's what I was thinking. Like, I had that in my head there. I was thinking how last week it was very much like one of those Channel 5, wasn't the 90s fucking great kind of programs? And it's mm. like, hey, remember Pick a Mix and things like that? And then like <laughs> today it was just like <laughs> doom, doom and gloom, like just uh, talking about the, the problematic world of wrestling. But um, we can bring it back. We can talk about some like hearted stuff now surely can't we can't we we can indeed well the yeah the but benno breaking the news to me on it about the fantasy league thing was something that i wasn't live wasn't on air on friday did you see that big that you were saying amazing. <laughs> well, well JP, it does friday deadline sneak up on us all mate but uh yeah you mate, found that live on air i did um what ended up happening weirdly was the fact that um good old liveramento because i had laporte in the side so i didn't get I didn't do anything with the side. So obviously he'd been sent off the week before by Livermento first sub. So, uh, I immediately saw that and I thought you are the fuck. Your bench, like just at the weekend where I think like, Oh, JP's dropping some points this weekend. And then I look and you've got like random person a who's like got fucking 12 points in the bag, just coming in for someone half decent. Emil Smith Rowe, three three weeks in a row. What can I say? <laughs> Glorious. And they complained about the goal, and it was down to a little bit of filth, and I fucking love it. That's what I want. I want that, uh, want that 80s, 90s George Graham, we're a pack of cunts mentality as well. <laughs> then we're yeah. motoring. I was giving you grief about missing the deadline, not realising that I'd bench, I'd started Diaz and bench Cancelo. Oh. 14 points just sat there. It was one of them weekends where the entire weekend I was just hoping any of my players wouldn't start, just any of them, and not one of the fuckers didn't turn up. So, yeah. <laughs> Can't say it turned up. And I got fucking Arsenal do well, three points off Saka. Yeah, nice one. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that, the, well, it's, it's, it's Smith Rowe, isn't it? It's mm. It's because, yeah, I won't go into it, but like, like for some reason he's able to float a bit more freely. So like, are you good at football little... again? Is Arsenal good? What's going on? I don't know. I don't want to think about it. It was a very hard fought win the other day. It's just good that we're not being laughed at for mm. once, and that we're not conceding any goals. I think I'll just take that and worry about league position stuff a little bit later on. The real test is after the international break. I think it's it's Liverpool. So who that'll be a test. But then I don't think I saw that. Liverpool happening, you know, David Moyes beating Liverpool, Benno. That's uh obviously just shame it wasn't an Anfield always... That's the only uh, the yeah. missing part of that puzzle. Oh that's a story as lot as old as time. Uh, Great game though, Gareth. But it was on the cards that I just I had a bad feeling all morning. It just felt like one of those games where you've had like a decent week in Europe and things like that. And it just, I was just looking at it and I was like, yeah, this is the fucking banana skin West Ham away right now. David Moyes fucking flying, but uh, 
it's uh, it's one of them things. I'm not that bothered. I had a, I had a fucking cracking week in the fantasy league. I'm ahead of both of you two in the league, so you know that'll do for me. Fuck Liverpool. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I think I had a great week about it, but you know, so that, that's kind of. Mine. I had a great week in the draft league. I'll say that much because I had well, um, given up. Trent Alexander players. Arnold, the problem Gallagher, the- Zaha. Oh, it was the one week I turned up, Benno. I like I've got the Palace fucking two blokes at the minute who are doing <sighs> great stuff. It's the, the thing with the draft league is though, like because you're locked into your team. Like I've got like mm. five red flags on my team, and it's all players I don't want to release into the pool in case somebody else grabs them. You know what I mean? Like, like Firmino and Calvert Lewin both sat there on my fucking bench, and I want to start like these shitty defenders. It's horrible. Like I might, I might. There might be some top class players uh, leaked into the pool. That's what we were saying. Like we, Gareth, we need to come up with something for the draft where we'll do another like live stream with the uh, with everybody in the league. I don't know if we could do like a. An open transfer day. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, but you know, uh, what, what the stuff that we do, we do with their, with their drafts, with their, uh, what do they call a superstar it? Superstar shakeup. Superstar shakeup. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah, superstar shakeup. Oh. Maybe we need to do something like that. What? Where we all have to release three players into the pool? I mean, only because I'm second from bottom. Like that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Releasing three players into the pool sounds kind of interesting. There's a, yeah. I like that. No, no, this is just playing into his hands. Trying to use fucking mind games, are you? I'll release Calvert Lewin, Firmino, (laughs) and Deli Ali, who's never going to start a game again in his entire life. Nope, (laughs) nope, not at all. I like this plan, Gareth. We'll put some thoughts. You, um, I'm laughing at you though, going like, "Hey, I was hacked." Yeah, you should have stuck with those hack lads. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be able to both. (laughs) <laughs> you slagged off those Hungarian boys and they were telling you something they were doing you a favour did they not pick Mason Mount? I think they might have yeah it was uh... yeah <laughs> yeah it was definitely a stronger team with the uh, the Hungarian hackers at the helm than, uh, than with me but... <laughs> than, than your than your minus than your minus 30 to get it back to your lads yeah it's like there's probably ghost ship teams that are ahead of me where like people have just like not done a, like a transfer all season and they're doing better it's yeah it's a hard pill to swallow but Long season yet, lads. I'll catch us. It is. Mm. Gareth's shouting the odds here very early on. He'll be, be interested, <laughs> oh, no. I'll be. Oh. He's getting ultra competitive, but I always enjoy the part where he looks at somebody on my team and takes an inexplicable hatred to them because he hasn't got <laughs> in them. Something like it's, it's, it's currently Smith Rowe, and, and, and hence he'll, be getting, he'll be getting transferred into my team in a fortnight's time. I've learned my <laughs> lessons. <laughs> I should have put Emmy Martinez in my team in about October last year instead of just fucking like getting angry for three hours after looking at your team every week for the whole of last season. <laughs> oh, it made me smile so much. That's personal. Yeah, Lene said here, everyone keeps nine players, the other five have to be traded. Suits me, mate. Suits me. Sounds great. Sounds like a good plan. We'll I'm up for that. <laughs> it's, a bit of fun. it's a bit of a fun fun at the end of the day isn't it why not it'll, yeah. uh, it'll make a decent uh, decent decent live show there you go look after, look after. I, I won't be I won't be fucking happy when you're like trading me Deli Alley for you know fucking Manny or something like that but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll keep it fair we'll keep it fair um, but yeah I was going to say what else you've been up to uh, the weekend of the fancy football stuff JP were you watching, were you, when you doing the uh, the session the succession podcast with um, no. the next lads. That's no, 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 no. That's that's the end of this week. Oh, I'm going to be doing that. Reason. No, 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 no. I've I've uh, yet to see it actually. Mm. So uh, it'll be so, that'll be something I'll be watching tomorrow. Mm. So yes, no, I'm going to be doing that at the end of the week. So I'm really looking forward to that. 
as well. Um, outside of that, I mean, to be honest with you, it wasn't the, like the necessarily the nicest of weekends. I'm a bit old for fireworks, mm. to be, truth be told. Fireworks so, like, are shit. That's sorry, that's yeah. my point. To <laughs> oh, my cat was fucking terrified. Like it was horrible. Uh, like, fuck, any, fuck anyone with pets? It's horrible. It's awful. <laughs> They don't know why it's why where these loud noises are coming from. What's causing it? thing. Everyone's always had dogs and always had cats. Me and Sarah, me and Sarah talked about this the other day, and like suddenly it's like the last five years has become like, oh, I've got cats, oh, I've got dogs, like, oh, like how dare people have fireworks and like, you know why? Because fireworks are generally. Shit. But do, 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 do you know what? When I was a kid. No this one complains is... about fireworks and their dog That's or fireworks true. and their cat or anything like that. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a, I don't know. It's, People it's... are soft on social media. Yeah, it... I can get on with one. Fireworks are shitter is a brave Fireworks are shit. They are shit. I've, I've, stood, oh, I've stood by this my entire life. And it's like, especially now when these days when you've got like, you've got like a PS5 or something like that with these most ridiculously amazing graphics. And then it's like, yeah. you've got to stand outside there in the cold and look up in the sky and everyone's like, woo, because there's a bit of blue in the sky or something like that. And you're just like, come on, fuck you now. It's like, never good, is it? It's, it's, like the idea of it. going and watching some fireworks in a way sounds like, oh, that's something we can oh, do. Oh, I don't do it. And then you go and I you're like, I mean, mm. I can't be asked, but also I had to do it for a very long time mm. when my sons were younger. But now they don't give a shit about that stuff. It's like life is a lot fucking easier. I suspect Gareth is very much in the belly of the beast when it comes to stuff like that, but not fireworks. No, no, no I've, I've worked hard to embed the uh, mantra that fireworks are shit into my children <laughs> as well, so I don't think they're particularly arsed either. It's, oh, it's all about Halloween these days for kids, isn't it? It wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing when I was a kid, Halloween particularly. It was all about bonfire night and people just randomly like just making a bonfire in the field, like at the back that's of your houses and things like that and stuff. Now, obviously, that's been health and safety to, you know, regulate to whatever it used to just be a case of you'd be there with a fucking whatever a baked potato on a stick sticking it in a big fucking bonfire and, or something like that me and my mates as a kid we'd like go around like everyone's houses in the weeks before like collecting fat wood and the neighbors would be giving us loads of wood and then like opposite the allotments that were like down the bottom of my road we just on bonfire and i just set fire to it all and all like the neighbors and stuff would come and watch and it was like this big community thing yeah. it was like we were like 10. Like, why were we lighting fires? And why was that okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we it was just to... accepted though, wasn't it? Yeah, the, every now and then the council would turn up. It feels like a very Liverpool fire. story, Benno. But... Well, yeah, every now and then the council would turn up and steal all our firewood and we'd be fuming at them or like one of the neighbours. Like, people would drop <laughs> off like couches and all kinds to go on the bonfire. And, like, <laughs> we'd have neighbours complaining about it and be like, ah, oh, you fucking old bastard, why are you complaining? I think now as an adult, I'd be like, yeah, why are those kids setting, setting fire to a fucking couch with all kinds of chemicals in it at the bottom of the road? Probably wasn't. It? Firing fireworks at each other and shit. Like, yeah, it was probably not the best. Yeah. <laughs> You're attacking kids with sparklers, effectively, and probably going for the eyes. Mm. Be, we all have to sit through those um, fireworks oh, educational videos. videos and stuff. That We all have to sit Mate. through them. Like, and then you watch Jackass mm. and you see a lad like getting one lit, literally ass. coming out of his arsehole. Yeah. Uh, it was like Nick Gage. It's a string as well as it goes on. <laughs> I want to say it's Steve O. Sounds about likely. Yeah. Sounds about right. It's coming back soon. There's another Jackass movie coming out. Okay. Uh, I'll always watch those. Like, of our generation. Yeah. Fil- film degree or be damned like it's fucking <laughs> glorious like I-, I don't give a shit like it's brilliant stuff it's all the stupid shit you used to do as a teenager but it's okay 
because it's on the telly or like that, that was the thing with jack i was like oh there's a warning like, at the start so it's fine they're professionals they're 50 yeah oh, that's they're crazy. 50 i suspect darby allen is involved in this no do oh, I is? dream that? Sometime? I think he is. Yeah, yeah. I think he is. What is involved in the new Jackass? Is he? Hmm. <laughs> oh, of course, that'll do well. It was Steve on one of his little videos. Yeah, was he on he one did. of his little vignettes before yeah. a match once. Him and like Tony Hawk and the like are always turning up on his thing on his um, Instagram. <laughs> Shane McMahon with the fireworks. <laughs> oh, I watched. You're talking about things you watched on telly, right? I've been bored at night, so a bit like as far as like. TV shows to watch because we're in peak TV season and like as soon as like Succession or Cable or whatever comes out I'm like I'm burning through them so I've just been watching like old episodes of The Simpsons like it's just something to like go to bed to and uh. I had a stupid idea the other day I was like you know what I do I'll put a new episode on I'll see how like I'll see how bad it is like an episode from like, the last few weeks and the episodes I put on the opening to the episode I can't remember who gets rich it's either Homer or Bart or something like that and the background music on it was Shane McMahon's theme like in an episode of The Simpsons, like it was just a normal song, like to, to like, because it was a scene with people with loads of money and stuff, and it's just like, here comes the money. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, The Simpsons, big shame at man fans. I saw nothing about it in the news. I suppose it, it shows you that no one gives a fuck about That's how bad the Simpsons, Simpsons is. Or the Simpsons, but like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Colby Covington, and he's Colby Covington, he's done it a few times for the UFC. Um, for his oh, we used Kurt Angle this weekend, didn't he? He came out to Kurt Angle, and mm. people were doing the "you suck" stuff as well. But he's a man who plays as a heel. Mm. He wears his MAGA hat and just non-stop fucking chatter and the rest of it. But yeah, he's been doing it a while. But it got the reaction. Like when mm. it came out, people popped for it. Mm. Like you can hear them. Oh, we heard the chanting "you suck." Sorry, I heard them chanting "you suck." There was a lot of that. Yeah, they did. Um, good fight mm. not overall but yeah uh, it was uh, yeah, look I heard it was, Jack. that should be coming out soon wasn't the fight of the year on UFC or something like that not that I'm saying into Observer Radio skip forward Gaethje versus Chandler apparently the first yeah. fight it was just like Fry Takayama stuff they were just mm. beating the shit out of each other for like kind of large swathes of it so it's one of those all action punches fights mm. where they know they're going to beat the shit out of each other but get an extra 50 grand for fight of the night <laughs> as well like you know there's part of it which very much in their interests um, Gaethje's just a fucking wild man mm. but like um, yeah I, I mean I watch UFC I, I didn't see the boxing like Canelo versus Spock. there wasn't much wrestling as we spoke about on the weekend show there was like relatively fuck all on wasn't it for like anything mm. in terms of big shows so it felt like boxing and UFC kind of got that little bit of my attention this weekend I watched a lot of sport but to be honest that's most weekends oh. England were in the cricket Ireland in the rugby you know oh well I, I, I had uh, a trip to Mosley to Work it in reds away at Mosley. Not Mosley Hill. Like, oh no, no, near near Oldham, and it was like it was this. It was top v second in the uh, Premier West uh, League, and um, big game, and uh, lo- got a Mosley, lovely little club, nice little clubhouse, all done out nice. They had these beautiful little pint pots made with their badge on that I've like kept there. These little plastic like keepable things that you could have a, a beer with, and the uh, good old. Uh, Good old lads from Workington um, that we uh, that we stayed well clear of the uh, the Workington ultras smashing up the bar and uh, fighting all over the place and just <laughs> like I was just like 
proper eighties stuff here. Oh, it was just it was just like oh, what a, what, a, what a lovely charming little club here, and they've gone to this hab- they've gone to like make these little beer mugs and all this with their little logo on, and it's it's all nice and all friendly and all this, and down come the working lads who have been fucking fucking coked up to their eyeballs since eight am in the morning and just fucking smashing the bar up and causing all sorts of bother. So that was a bit of a uh, that was a bit of an odd experience on on Saturday, a bit of. Um, a bit of non-league football that turned into a bit of fucking 80s football or something like that. Jesus Christ. Was there <laughs> the police involved? Stewards? Oh, when we were leaving, there was loads of police coming like back the other way. And like there was just uh, there was just a there's just a like uh, just just generally a big big kickoff and things like that. And it's just like ridiculous. You just think, oh yeah, just go go, go watch a nice bit of non-league. No bit of trouble. <laughs> I think I think a town like that though as well. Oh, it's like it's gonna be like I don't know. Like, are they like a big team? Is, is it like it? You're talking like hundreds of people. Are you talking like fifty people? Like what? It like what's the situation? Is it oh, no, league no. level? It was like it was like fifty people came down on a coach from right. working and like and like. But all fifty of them had been fucking on the ale and fucking coke since whatever time in the morning, you know, by the by the sounds of speaking to a few people, and then uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, and then the trouble ensued. Like, like, oh. <laughs> we, we were just like, yeah. like, because I was with about like ten mates of mine. Like it was the first time we'd like met up in ages, and um, we just thought, oh yeah, let's meet, meet up at this game. Like all from back home, some of us from Manchester, some of us from Liverpool, congregate in this one area, and we had to do the old whole like, yeah, we're not with them. <laughs> Kind of thing. Yeah, we support working, but we're not with them. We'll stand stand ten meters to the side and things like that. So that was a that was a odd uh, odd Saturday afternoon occurrence. Anyway, it sounds like you don't love Workington enough, Gareth. To me, mm. <laughs> needed to fully commit to show your love for Cumbria. Yeah, it was when the play. It was when the, it was when the players and manager were diving into those fans at full time. That was mm. the uh, <laughs> big win after the big one nil win. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, God no. <laughs> we were all at a Rochdale game with Andy and at Tranmere, and that was lively. But like, it never, it never felt like it was ever going to kick off at any point, did it? I mean, other than Andy and uh, being the one in the the one Rochdale fan in the, in the Tranmere crowd, yeah. I think that's a quite a different level. When he got to three two as well, and Tranmere on the attack, and he's just like fuck three nil up here. He was just like wanting to cheer throughout. Glorious stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe instead of seeing seeing a few mates for the first time in a few years, maybe I should have stayed at home and watched a bit of Zack Sabre Jr., Brian Danielson, and uh, uh, a bit of Harada or uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Well, speaking of speaking of such, <laughs> nice that, hey, what a pro! Hey. <laughs> Great way <laughs> we did this weekend on Patreon.com/slash/Gravel. Yes, we did do our, uh, our Zack Sabre Jr. mixtape, and uh, while you were out uh, with the lads causing trouble, Gareth, and I'm uh, recovering on the uh, on the Sunday, we were uh, recording that with uh, with Alan Farrell and uh, and Crystal and how you uh, who stepped in. Two men who've who've been there, who've, who've lived it. Uh, Lene and his mm. Matrix jacket, uh, that Zack Sabre and uh, and Danielson. Match oh. in the uh, in the social club in Coventry. Speaking of uh, working men, <laughs> he was uh, he was there live for that one as well as plenty of other uh, British royalty. It was great hearing his stories. Uh, Alan obviously telling us some great uh, tales of uh, sixteen carrot trips back before it was cool and being plucked out of the crowd to uh, to get uh, get on the uh, the mic and uh, do some commentary in two thousand eleven. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a great laugh. JP really enjoyed recording that one. 
Oh, it was brilliant. And, you know, you know, he's a mate of ours, uh, but, and, and, you know, he is, he does a fucking amazing job for someone he's told 15 minutes before he's going to have to commentate on a PWG style, massive loads of moves indie match. And he does it and he's, he's, he's brilliant at it as well. But the whole thing was great. It's like a real kind of because it's mainly the twists and turns and the other matches that come out of it as well. And um, obviously, there's some of those. And we've said to everyone in the Patreon, like uh, put in, uh, we'll put links in the comment uh, in the comments to try and uh, get you to see all of those. And we have the the playlist up on there, and I highly recommend it. Um, and it really kind of dovetails nicely back around to the A Kid match at the end as well. And mm. you know. There's loads of there's loads of like really fun stuff. In particular, Gareth, it, it was said that the Daisuke Harada match is the one right up your street. Uh, yeah, right up your street. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm I'm looking forward to just making a dent in that list and just like I kind of almost just want like want to I say I've watched, listened to the first half hour. I just want to kind of like listen to that show almost like in parts. Almost do a bit of like watch the match. Listen to a bit of the show. Watch the match. Um, listen to a bit of the show, kind of thing. And I think, <laughs> I think that'll uh, that'll add add cool to it, it definitely, yeah. de- definitely. Yeah. I think. And I'll, I'll say, I was just on one hand, I was gutted to miss it because, like, Zach's easily one of my top five wrestlers. You know, if you span things out over the last five or ten years, you know, he's comfortably in there. You know, probably top three really for for me for that time. But equally, then just getting, you know, not been involved, not recording it, and just being able to just sit back and just hear, like, kind of Chris talk about the early days there of his, you know, his his career development and some of the backstories about, you know, British and British wrestling, hearing the Allen stuff with the WXW and just hearing some of those U- European stories and that side of things and bringing it right through to kind of, like, the modern day, like, the stuff that you have seen and just that de- that development, I think, it's one of them where I'm just gonna just love it and enjoy just kind of listening as a as a listener as a fan. Mm. If, uh, have you if got I to the um, leaders tag yet? Have you have you watched that with Alan's commentary? No, not oh, yet. That no, is no, just no, like it. it's unbelievable, isn't it? Because like he he literally got like he said it's like ten minutes before the match they were like oh do you fancy uh, fancy doing some commentary Alan of WrestlingObserver.com and with ten minutes prep he jumped on you know what like I'm that's just saying it he did really fucking good like it was like prodigious yeah he was yeah he's good from the he was like saying it was immediately better stuff. than ninety five percent of most wrestling commentators like straight away it's like it's proper like, like day one like it's stuff like you like I was saying on the podcast like it's the type of dream you have where like you know you have that dream where you like you're in you're in like you know, Goodison or Anfield or whatever, and like the manager turns around and goes, "Hey, you, have you got your kit?" And you get pulled on the pitch. Like, I know he didn't get to wrestle, but this is Alan's equivalent. Like, "Hey, you, do you want to come down and do some commentary?" Go on. Like, it's just like it doesn't sound real. It's a fucking great story. It, there's also be remiss to mention the shocking revelation that Chris uh, brought out about Chris Charlton mm. being a former wrestler. <sighs> in, uh... Are we breaking that news here? Or are we just saying it publicly? <laughs> Should we? Yeah. Have you heard about this guy? Yeah. Oh yeah, I put it in the uh, the Twitter group. But now he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, he was uh, his, ta- his wrestler name was apparently Reason, and he was in a tag team yeah. with a man named Rhyme, <laughs> and they were his Rhyme brother, and I think. <laughs> yeah. In Midlands, the lad does the art. I looked it up on Cage Match 2005. 
the matches exist, rhyme versus reason, rhyme and reason in uh, in tag matches, and all of a sudden it's become clear why his name on Twitter is at ReasonJP. Like the, the Twitter handle, like yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm good to didn't wrestle him. That would have been that would have been a great story. Like I should have won this in a battle royal or something. That'd be a so, <laughs> great story. If we tell. if we can change the 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 Chris Charlton narrative into let's find some footage of these of these wrestlers. Oh. If you do finally, please 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 send it. This, this is, is the new Holy Grail. Isn't it? And this yeah. is oh, fucked on the gate. This is fucked on the gate. Exactly. Like it's this one now. Mm. Um, I want to see him exactly genuinely. The idea of a match which is rhyme versus reason in and of itself sounds mental. <laughs> no, just like logically. Um, oh. I like just that one of them's doing like technical style, and the other one is just like you know just kind of feeling it on the fly. It's uh, yeah, an interesting <laughs> dynamic. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll do them as like a, uh, a Patreon special or something like that. We'll go back and we'll look at, uh, <laughs> at his career. Or... Shocking people who've wrestled and you won't believe it. You're like, what? All right, am I Obviously, in that one? <laughs> like, everything. My stuff will only take 20 minutes all together, so you'll be sound. <laughs> it's an, it's an easy Survivor one. Series. That Survivor Series 88 match you appeared in as well. Does that highlight? <laughs> it's got the same yellow. That's but, probably the longest like appearance, yeah. Vision. Does that highlight video of you, isn't there? There is. is. Benson Richards' greatest moments or something like that. That's the you couple find of minutes, on YouTube. Yeah. You can do that. You can take that out. <laughs> I'll be up for that. Get in. <laughs> Maybe one of the uh, the kings of the mountain can uh, can choose it at some point. Um, we can talk about it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think that, that was part of the fun as well on the uh, on the Zack Sabre yeah. one though, like talking like retro Brit res and stuff, and talking about like the shows we were all at, and like kind of you know definitely like Lene, someone who I've hundred percent had over the years seen at shows and stuff, and not knowing who he was, but knew he was in with you know Gadge and Ben and kind of that crew, and like we were all very siloed, like they were doing like the they were they were the head of the curve, they were doing like the you know the uh, the shows like that where you know Danielson's wrestling Zack Sabre Junior and like traveling around the shows whereas i was just doing like you know the liverpool stuff like you're uh, you're infinite and, and they're like um did you ever go to infinite Gareth? no oh. no no I, I, I can i can definitely remember walking through um liverpool and mm. just seeing the poster for it and it just looked the absolute shit i remember pointing at it and laughing and then like walking past kind of thing and that was that was as much as i um paid attention to infinite and it's one of those that you look back now and look at some of the names on it and you think yeah yeah wish i'd went but at that point in my life oh. it was just like mm. look at that guy with um horns sellotape to the side of his mask <laughs> and he would go on to yes uh, anyhow um like, <laughs> but that's it like everyone was silent like you know i was doing like gpw and future shock in the mid 2000s and then like infinite was like the, the first kind of indie we had in liverpool where it was like it was run by zach gibson and they were trying to like do the more smarky style and you'd see a few, you know, your Pete Dunns and, and those lads from like around the country. Like just getting into like 2011, 12 or so. Like I put it um, do you see the picture I put him? I was going to ask you to put a picture on my Twitter today of, uh, of us and, uh, and D'Lo Brown. I was wondering if you were at the, uh, that Infinite show. It's fucking, it's great, typically as well, promotion ran by Zach Gibson. They booked D'Lo Brown. And his wage, this isn't, this sounds like a bit, it's not a bit. His wage was tickets to the Liverpool Chelsea game, a hotel overnight, 
and uh, somebody slid into the DMs to me and told me today the uh, the third part of his uh, his wage was a Liverpool shirt with his name on the back of it. <laughs> like that's what, that's, that's how big of a Liverpool fan deal. I thought you were going to possibly say something a lot darker. Than that, <laughs> so like, thank God. I'm sure that's happened in Britain. <laughs> but no, there was that's like Ted DiBiase. Surely, sorry. Oh, there's like a clip of him on um, Liverpool fan TV or whatever like that. Like I watched that today. Well, I saw it in real life because even Gary were going back and forth about it. He was going, oh, that was totally offsides, man. And Gary was like, no, it definitely wasn't. Like, I, I mean, you know, the goal was, it was a goal. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So it's just, like, just hearing D'Lo Brown be that into it was just brilliant. He said uh, on that clip, he says, it was definitely out of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, oh, shut up. That's the worst. Maybe we'll just embarrassing, but yeah, oh yeah, God, that's just that's just bizarre. But that was just going on, and I just you know, I had no idea, ah, no idea that Dilo Brown was that road. It became a very uh, family oriented oriented show, and uh, not long in, um, you didn't, uh, you only missed uh, a couple of years of good stuff. First place off of Finn Balor though, and uh, a few other uh, names like that, which is uh, which is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, a good few pe- Pepsi plunges back in the day as well. <laughs> definitely um, but yeah we'll revisit that stuff we'll do like a, a retro bit res uh, podcast or something like we haven't got a, a, a formulated plan yet for uh, for our Patreon bonus show this week I've got it. it's out with uh, I don't know if he's uh, seen my message but Joe Edwards is uh, making the next King of the Mountain pick so we'll be doing that over the next few, few weeks if he uh, unless he comes up with something we uh, we desperately want to do this week but yeah if anybody's got a, any suggestions put them in the comments but yeah other than that daily updates weekend preview Friday anything else going on JP yeah well, I would recommend going back to the to the uh, the collection, the film club, for example, mm. with the uh, unlikely duo of uh, wrestlers versus zombies, starring Shane Douglas, um, who gets a shout out from um, Jacoby during the uh, what is it, the leaders versus Future Shock match. He gives uh, he gives a big sh- like shout out to Shane Douglas inexplicably. Well, he's in that; he's terrible in it. But we also reviewed that and RoboCop. Mm. which, uh, spoiler alert, it's fucking class and absolutely <laughs> holds up. So um, got plenty of uh, Ed Toe uh What was it? Dead? What was the name of that band? Dead, Dead, Dead by Five, was it? Yeah, Dead by Five, that. whatever that means. Mm. Um, do the entire soundtrack. I mean, if you've never seen two zombies deliver a 3D to someone, and then use it quite logically to then bite into the neck because they've already grabbed the neck as well. I mean, <laughs> inspired stuff. We had a watch along with that as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> like this is possibly as in depth as anyone's really gone, perhaps on on this film, and it's not even really that in depth. So, um, and have a listen along to that. Yes, daily updates. We've got the weekend show, so we'll probably have the like kind of we'll be doing some of it tonight, but obviously there'll be further news in the run up to full gear. So well worth getting on board definitely definitely so yeah check all uh, that stuff out but yeah without further ado we should probably move on to uh, the busy news mm-hmm. weekend wrestling I was going to say I don't know where we should start um, and we could start with the uh, the untimely death uh, sad death of, of Judy Bagwell that, uh, that just broke um, today of, uh, <laughs> of time right any memories of Judy Bagwell JP anything you want to say um, on a forklift is primarily when I think of her. That's that's where it is, and a lot of why oh, you mean is she back, a you mean in nineteen ninety nine? Oh right, not now. In nineteen ninety nine, Jesus, no, I'm not that dark. <laughs> Honestly, she died today, you bastard. That made me sound like a complete arsehole. Um, Stay back for the morning update tomorrow. Yeah, well, 
uh, get the full super porky treatment. Um, Rick Steiner's former tag team partner. Yeah, former WCW World Tag Team Champion. Yeah, with uh, with with Rick Steiner. No, did I dream that? What I'll never understand why us as wrestling fans really know who she is. It's sort of symptomatic mm. of how bad WCW is that we know, and it's not any slight on her. But it was just this weird thing they did where they threw Judy Bagwell into storylines. And I can't remember like kind of how it started off. But it was bad. Let's not like kind of beat around the bush here. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it, it's it obviously it's it's sad that she's died. But it's have a it's little bit of put JP on the spot here to give w- us a career w- retrospective. <laughs> Carry on, mate. You're doing good. Sorry, I love that I'm putting you on the spot here to do a uh, Judy Bagwell career retrospective. <laughs> you're <Yeah>. doing good. <laughs> Wasn't expecting this in the slightest. Not at all. Would have been doing this tomorrow morning. But yeah, rest in peace, sweet <laughs> princess. Like I don't, I'm being a prick here. Like I'm not laughing necessarily about her death. But yeah, when it comes to her record in wrestling, it's not good, and you can't sugarcoat that. Yeah. At the end of the day, you've got to look at it and you've got to say, like, you know, Arne and Tully, the Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, Judy Bagwell. She's in there. She's in that lineage there of those uh, world tag team titles, you know. <laughs> Fair play to Judy and R.I.P. R.I.P. in peace, as you would say, Benno. There you go. And as we, and we do remember it, you know, like JP said, maybe we shouldn't, but, you know, it's a, it is a name at a, at a time in wrestling that yeah, does, uh, does stick out. But, yeah, sorry, JP. We should move on to the... Actual big news. <laughs> I know it's not the Rock and Vin Diesel, but I will find a way to talk about that today. It is the WWE releases. We shouldn't uh, push it back uh, mm. any further. Uh, we uh, we talked uh, JP on the weekend show about our, our immediate reaction uh, as the uh, as the news did come through. Um, obviously, Thursday uh, Thursday night was uh, another one of those nights where you know, as you put it perfectly, JP, it was it felt like transfer deadline day. And I know that sounds crass, but like. It was one of them where you're glued to Twitter and like names just keep coming out and it started off with NXT names and it kind of tailed off for a little bit and you think it's over and then they started announcing fucking Keith Lee and Nia Jax and you know other more prominent names as well that kind of took everyone by surprise and you know coming after the uh, the back of the WWE conference call yet again where you know like we said uh, we were saying in the P show what's 250 million or something like that they made in uh, in profit this quarter what are you going to do um they are you know an over overstuffed wrestling company um as we've talked about in the past and these things are, are probably going to come but you know some surprising names in there some not so surprising names in there that we can uh, absolutely go through, but yeah, people got a uh, got our chicks on uh, on Friday, JP. I think what what, uh, what everyone was waiting for was mm. for uh, for Stone Cold Gareth to uh, to come through and uh, give his take on <laughs> on all of this stuff. And yeah, what did you? Uh, no further ado, Gareth. What did you uh, make of the, uh, the all of the other releases on uh, on Friday? Glass shatters. Um. <laughs> um. Do I have to do this bit again and again and again uh, every th- every three months? It's like quarterly, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looks that way, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, like you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> am I shedding any tears for anybody who's been released by WWE? Like. 
you know, I think you know by now that I'm not, um, because at the end of the day, what do you expect? What that these people get employed and they're supposed to have a job for life and they're supposed to be employed forever and ever and ever and just like retain these positions forever. And it's a case of oh, we can moan about them for signing up everybody and you know signing everybody on the Indies and you know signing everyone who's going. But then equally, like in the next breath, when they lighten their roster a little bit, then we're going to moan about that as well. Like. Yes. No. You know, this is like this is like this is one of those things where they're cunts. We all know the cunts, and the people who sign for them know the cunts. The people who work for them know the cunts. And if this is, comes as any great surprise or shock to you that you're going to sign a contract with WWE and you're probably going to be released at some point, or if you're a fan and then you're like watching, listening to this, and people have been like released, like. You need, as JP would say, read a fucking history book because you just need, you know, this is something that is coming. And, you know, you know, if I'm watching a TV show and somebody dies, am I crying about the fact that they're not going to be there before, like in the next episode of The Walking Dead or something like that? No, I'm not. I'm not there, like deeply, like remorseful on Twitter about the fact that, you know, so and so's lost his job because his character's died or he's not going to be in the sequel of a film or something like that. Absolutely not. You know, if I'm watching football, am I crying because some player hasn't quite made the grade and he's been sold to fucking Carlisle United for nothing and he's suddenly <laughs> earning £100 a week, whereas he used to earn £2,000 a week at some Premier League club? Like, absolutely not. And the same applies to. Wrestling as well, you know, it's 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 one of those things. It's something that's happening, and and to be honest, it's actually become one of the most entertaining parts of WWE. I would say in the in the last uh, last two years, we know that there's places that they can go out and work. There's places that they can go and earn a crust. In a lot of instances, the people have worked there for a number of years, and if they haven't been financially sensible and left them, you know, put something behind them, so that they're not absolutely on their, out on their ass and living out out of their cars on the like day after they've been released or something like that, then more fuel then because it's something that they should expect as, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned in, in many ways, like what, what did you liken it to there, JP transfer deadline day to me? Mm. It's like the WWE draft that I actually care about. It's like, <laughs> like one of those moments when this like happens, I'm not bothered about who's going to raw or SmackDown. I'm, I'm you know, it's going to impact. Exactly, it's getting the creative juices flowing. Who's going to turn up on AW? Who's going to, you know, have a good indie run? Who's going to be someone who might come to the UK and like run a few shows that draws a good house in the UK, or even turn up on MLW? You know, like who knows? But it's uh, it's Ryan it's, it's sat stood outside with a purple dildo in his hair. <laughs> well, you know, it could it could, it could easy be. You know, for for me, it's it's very much just one of those uh, one one of those things now that you kind of. The excitement of it all happening and it's like in the set you know i don't know it kind of got to that last point there as the names were coming out and the names were been released and i was thinking like oh it was a bit it was it was a bit like oh come on who's next kind of thing and then it kind of 15 minutes passes 20 minutes passes and no more comes no more comes out and it's like oh that's the end of the list there's there's no more to, to come you know kind of thing. that's 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 your lot for this time you'll have to wait for another another quarter till we uh till we dis, till, till we decide what things are but you know you know in all seriousness you know taking you know taking a step back for me there's a lot of people here who've been released who should never have been signed in the first place. So, yeah. you know, they should never have even been on the roster. There's, you know, it's too early in their careers. They're not good enough to have even been signed to the major wrestling promotion in the world in the first place. So, surprise, surprise, you know, 
they haven't made the grade. They haven't shown themselves in the best possible light to be kept. They haven't like advanced to the next level or something like that. That they that they need to be. There's people there who are actually good, like really good, like Keith Lee. Or you know, I'm a big fan of Ember Moon. I think she's mm-hmm. got a lot of like upside as well. I'm delighted. I, I don't want them working for WWE. I want them in an environment where they can actually be like you know, given proper direction and mm. be themselves and be the people that you've seen work indie shows and small shows and like see their characters kind of develop and see see them in the in the in the right creative environment as well. And like you know, it, it ultimately boils down to me that there's not one person who's been released there that I think one um could has demonstrated that they're gonna like make a positive impact to WWE TV ratings or financials or something like that. And two, there's people on that list who could actually make an impact elsewhere by being given that freedom and just given that direction and that level of push. So for for me, it's like it's a it's a it's a glorious day for the people that I um, that I like, and it's a you know with an element of sadness for the ones who didn't quite make the grade. But everybody can't make the grade, can they? Because if they did. Then everyone would be great. And that's you know, that's never There'd gonna be happen. no grade. Yeah. And that's the bottom line because you know, throw that at the end. Anyway. Grapple grapple three sixteen. The only one, the only one, and this may not even be true, but I read somewhere that there was one wrestler who I'd never heard of before who was They'd needed a visa to be in the country, and there was yeah. something like one week away from their visa being renewed. And I just thought, "You're the one. I'll, 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 I'll feel sorry for you. I'll have pity for you because I don't even know who you are, and you've gone on here on a promise, and you've gone to another country and require a visa, and you're out on your ass now as a result of them fucking cunts in Stamford. But you know, mm. as for the rest." They'll crop up. They'll make a living if they want to. And if they don't, they'll do something else. <laughs> I mean, I am obviously with you and like I don't like it's when it's 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 the reverse argument of when people sign with WWE and like I'll be the one going, Well, you know, the Ben Carter one where I'm like, Well, never gonna see Ben Carter have a great match again in my entire life. Like and and yeah, I start getting grief from like WWE incels going, You should be happy for him and it's like He's not my mate. Like, I don't know him. Like, I don't care that he's making more money. Like, I, I find it weirder that people are like, oh, it's so great. And like, they act like, you don't know these people. They're not your friends. Like, it doesn't mm. really happen. The way where I'd say it's maybe slightly different to, to like football and the like is that I think in football, the players have got a lot more power. And like in wrestling, you sign a contract with a WWE and you know what you're signing, you know which cunt you're getting into bed with. And like you say, if you don't know that at this point, then, you know, open your eyes, you know, and as I'll always say, if that's your dream, get better dreams. But like, I do think, you know, they sign these contracts. It is very one way, isn't it? You know, uh, you know, Charlotte Flair wants to leave. She can't. But, you know, WWE on the drop of a dime can just release these people like that. It's an argument for unionization, an argument for like these wrestlers having more power, even if it's just a case of WWE release them and they get some kind of severance or you know, are dealt with in a, in a slightly better way for people like you know, the person you mentioned there, or for like a, a Keith Lee and a Maya who like you know live together and that's two incomes gone. Not that I'm particularly mm. worried about you know, Keith Lee 
from this list there is there is the you know that that human element of it and it, it is you know optically it is weird you know you they do the the, the conference call and you got stephanie man on there going yeah and the only uh, uh, something terrible happened today and then she goes out and she goes the miz got got eliminated on dancing with the stars and then an hour later like releases like 30 of their staff there's a the optics of that aren't great but that's what this is it's a it's a big corporation and it's all about you know making as much profit as they can you know for their shareholders i think where we can get into the weeds though is like the like you said it's the logic of of like some of this decision making it's the you know like i'll always say with bray wyatt not not a fan of that man and i think it's come out since he was like the number one merch seller in wwe you know that one never made sense like the it's the I don't know. It's the haphazard nature of it. It's the fact that they've, like you've said, they've, they've hired a lot of wrestlers here who, you know, we're never going to make it into the WWE system. Was Blake Christian ever going to be a thing? You know, it's like Alex Zane before, isn't it? Like I love both those wrestlers, but you know, they're they're indie wrestlers. If I ever saw them, they were never going to make it in WWE. And it's like, you know, I think that the two examples that stick out to everyone here, as far as like, just. I think they're a good example of the state WWE is in now as far as a, a wrestling company and how well run it is on the on the wrestling end. It's Karrion Cross and it's Keith Lee. Like, Karrion Cross is the one where, like, I don't like the fella. Like, I couldn't stand him in, in NXT. But, you know, the gimmick got over. They had a package that people seemed to like with Scarlet. Proceeded to bring him to the main roster and, you know, just stripped everything off him that anyone apparently ever liked you know split the two of them up put the stupid helmet on him you know took the entrance away mm. and almost like went out their way to you know had him lose right away and went out their way to to ensure he failed keith lee you know we talked about it jp like he is like you know and i know you feel the same mm. way gareth he's to me he's a main event act in any well-run wrestler promotion in the world and they brought him in they changed his music they made him shave his beard they changed his they changed his um his gear they went he went went from the trunks to to a singlet they changed his name he became the bear cat they were like oh yeah you know all that stuff that gets you over you know the, the fact that he's a little bit indie and he does flips and he does more stuff than a big one yeah stop doing that like why was he there in the first place then? Why have you got Keith yeah. Lee? Just hire, I suppose they are doing that, you know, hire some big dickhead in NXT 2.0 and see if you can get them over instead. You you obviously don't see anything in Keith Lee and you never saw anything in Keith Lee. So, you know, why was he even there in the first place? It just speaks to the confused nature of how this company is run right now and just the system for me is broken and doesn't work. Mm. It feels like they're just, I mean, they're just trying to slash as many talents as they can off there at the moment. The issue mm. is, is it's so haphazard. So you look at the sort of names and you expect people who they've recently signed to NXT because those performance centre groups have got weaker and weaker. And it feels like a lot of those people are gone. So a lot of your Russ Taylors of the world and and, and whoever are kind of, have, have kind of disappeared. But it is kind of, it, it's so haphazard and broken and you picked up the two big examples i mean the the keith lee one that we raised is you could have keith lee come out of a crowd go in and just destroy who's ever in the ring and because of his presence and the way he carries himself and the things he could do he'd be fucking over in five minutes yeah if you book him properly he'll be over like it really isn't hard and it's fundamentally with him it's his look that was always the fear that, that we would always have is like Vince is a body guy. 
this is what he wants. We're seeing it with NXT 2.0. We're seeing that that is ultimately what he wants. So he's getting rid of him. The it's so many of the times it, it just feels like it, it's it's the numbers on the spreadsheet. Um, some of the reasons given though for letting them go, I think there's the things about the vaccinated status with some of them. I mean, it's obviously not budget cuts on the day that they've announced 255 million. Well, it's just it's cut. how you word that though, isn't it? It's it's like budget yeah. cuts, but it's like maximum making whatever the maximum profit is in, in well, that way. Them streamlining their talent roster after a after a process of going through and organizing who what vision do we have and who fits within that vision, I get that completely makes sense. We've said they're the, up to 300 people on there. It was wait, they didn't have enough time. They weren't running enough shows to justify this kind of humongous cost of this. It gets to the point now that they're streamlining, but they're just cutting people. What feels like in, in a very haphazard and random way. So there isn't any logic to it. And when you consider that the, there's no logic to the product as well, and there's no logic to these kind of firings, it makes you wonder about like where this, I mean, it never makes me wonder how this company goes, but it never surprises me where, where they're going at the moment. I mean, it's, you know, there's potential, I think like, I mean, Keith Lee is the one that obviously kind of stands out like Ember Moon. I feel bad in a way for Davy Boy Smith Jr. Because <laughs> what were we saying a week before? Um, <laughs> Literally last week on the podcast. He listened and Sorry, Harry. Didn't, didn't mean to bring it up. But, um, <laughs> we reminded yeah, them that he was there. For, from well, a business from a business sense, though, you look at this list, and there's 18 names on this list of people who, mm. like, how many of them make money for WWE currently? Mm. Like, I'd argue, no, well, what in terms of merchandise of and stuff, I'm not sure if any of them would do. Within how many in danger of applying logic? I think you're in, play, in danger of applying logic here, though, Gareth, because like I would absolutely say Bray Wyatt made them more money than than they lost them. Mm. Braun Strowman, Strowman probably made more money than he lost them. You go, but you go back and look at that. But like, oh. if we're talking about these current releases, mm. and there's a lot of names, was there 18, 20 names? You know, if you're looking at this on a pure business sense, and I know we can look at Keith Lee, and I'm as big a fan as Keith Lee as anyone. You yeah, know? you can like, talk about potential. I, 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 I loved his indie run, loved mm-hmm. it. Like whether it was the US stuff that I saw or whether it was the stuff that I saw over here, you know, has he got potential? Absolutely. Could he make them money? Of course he could kind of thing. But if you look at it in like, you know, brass tacks of what them as a company want to deliver and then, you know, he, he sort of almost stands out like a bit of a sore thumb in the list, really. But you, you look at the rest; it's it's all just a cost with nothing coming back. And then they've got a million other names. <laughs> they've got a million other people who can do this and plug these gaps and do the same things and you know not sell tickets and not put you know ratings on and not sell merch and things like that as well. It's like. It's one of those things where it's an awful thing. It's a business thing. It's a numbers game, and okay, they're profitable, and you know they've you know they're generating revenues and things like that. But you know, to, you know, it comes back to this idea that just because somebody is there, it's not you know it's it's not a job for life. They're still thinking. They're still operating on a business level and thinking about this being a business. And just because they're profitable, 
they want to be more profitable. You know, they don't want to have people there that they're spending, that there's money going out, whether it's a relatively small amount or more. If it's money going out that they don't feel like they're getting the return on investment or they're getting um, even like profit on that investment, then 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 why should they? Well, or why would they keep them? You know, especially when there's so many alternatives out there. Especially when they're reshaping their product as they they've clearly decided to do. Obviously, with with NXT as well, mm. you can't. You know, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to be there surely as a as a, as a talent even. You know, other than your people who just want to turn up and just like punch a clock and just take a take a wage and just turn up every day. Well. If that's what somebody wants to do as an as an entertainer as a performer, then you wouldn't want them in your company anyway. Like like surely you know. So if if they've got any ambition, surely they want to demonstrate that outside of WWE anyway. So like yeah, I can't I can't, I can't you know. I, I, obviously, there's that there's that guaranteed money and things like that. But there's shows going on all, all, all over the place. If people are if people well, are good enough, they can earn money. Where they can earn money, there's lots of places for them to to earn money. It might not be the same amount of money, but equally, none of us earn. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, mm. do you know what I mean? We 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 don't earn as much money as somebody on bloody Sports Illustrated or ESPN or something like that. There's always Speaking people who are going to be. There's always <laughs> going to be people who are higher in the tree when it comes to the particular thing that you're doing. Who bring in more money and like, it's just it's it's like the natural order of of things like well, mm. I, I don't like i can't i can't have any sympathy from that side of things i think like you know there's two conversations there like i think you know whether there are i'm guessing the point jp was about to make whether there are actually places for these people to go with ring of honor shutting down yeah. and you know impact being full and you know aw can only take so many people you know that's I don't know. It's going to be dicey for some of the lower names on the list, but like you say, maybe that's the the, the natural order of things. If we were going to be, you know, uh, brutal about it, I would say, you know, I think that is absolutely their approach. You know, Dick Khan is looking at a big spreadsheet and going, okay, you know, where where why are we spending this much money on talent? And it's it's probably not personal. It's just more a case of you know, here's here's an amount that we want to cut, and this number of names adds up to that amount that you want to court but i do think you know you've got to have somebody and what they don't have is somebody with a wrestling brain in there who might go keithley could make us a lot of money if we got him right that's where you know the breakdown is i don't know if that's what you were going to say jp it was i was thinking of that jim ross figure mm. is is what you kind of need who'd be able to kind of at least be able to see somewhat of the natural talent at least have an eye for talent mm. and all of this like kind of cutting loose is um is is because it's so haphazard. Like, if you can't see potential in Keith Lee when you look at him, like, you do have to wonder. It's like, well, what do you view as being potential then? Um, the other point I, I, I kind of really wanted to raise is the kind of wrestling landscape that this latest round of cuts are going into. Like, mm. I mentioned about Ring of Honor, Impact being full um, as well. I kind of wonder that, like... <sighs> Quite often you'll hear a debate about, is there room for a third major company? You go, well, there is for talent, but I don't know if there's a fan base for it. Mm. I'll be honest, like, if you think of all the different masters that AEW serves amongst kind of hardcore fans at times, and don't be surprised if Okada makes an appearance uh, on there while he, when he's over here at some point, as uh, when he's over in the States at some point. It does make you kind of wonder how many of these people, like, I, I honestly think there's a lot of them that aren't going to just be in the business, the, the the ones who are there. And then it's 
effectively what you're trying to think about is like almost like a rebuilt indie scene, mm. but it's going to be very difficult. And a lot of people are going to have like quite dramatic cuts in wages and they won't be as established as other people who perhaps got out into the indies and got to other companies before. If you're like Heath Slater, for example, if you're released now, it'd be difficult to get into an impact. Whereas now he's obviously kind of set and in there. That would be like a kind of obvious example for me. Mm. Yeah. But overall, it's shit, isn't it? And they're going to do it more. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't there rumours to be another load of cuts coming? Isn't it? When they're back from the tour. It wouldn't shock me if that happened. You know, I, that is the thing. Like, they, these cuts were taking place while they were over in the UK. So, like, that would have been quite a thing if uh, if anybody on the tour got released. But that's probably part of it, too. You know, like you said, JP. They Could were... have saved on the postage bear if they posted a few <laughs> P45s all over it. Just saying. <laughs> that's true, too. Like, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's names in there, though, that probably couldn't make this tour because they weren't vaccinated and that's a, another part of the story you know the the Nia Jack story that's a surprising one like she is not one I would have expected to come up on the list she seemed like somebody they were high on or you know somebody they at least used prominently and she was featured on, on Raw and the like you know she, like you said earlier she was mentioning that you know she'd had um, mental health issues and uh, you know uh, only a couple of days before she got released it uh, it made the company aware of that you know what the truth is i suppose maybe we'll we'll find out as time comes and she was saying she wasn't aware of the fact that she may have been a release because of uh, her staunch anti-vax status which you know she's one of the, the few who's been out on instagram and they like talking so maybe there's you know that's the logic in in some of those releases as well but yeah, it's a. I, I think I think where they lose me is where it's you know it's like a, like a, I know I make fun of the the hit row gobshite on uh, on Twitter, but like like that beef up, like you know they brought. Yeah. Oh, what's the story there? They brought her up, like they they signed her to a new deal. She's part of this act that they've you know they've got together in NXT and now they've got her on the main roster. They debut them. A week later, she's gone. <laughs> like, yeah, it it does feel like. Left hand maybe doesn't entirely know what the right hand is doing, unless there's, like I say, more to these individual stories um, to come. You know, Sean's mentioned there. Meltzer said there's ten more names on the chopping block, and you know we might be able, might get some some more color from that. You know, we all have that same conversation of you know, okay, why are they getting rid of all these lads, but all the NXT UK people remain. You know, why is a an only Lorcan released, but you know even a Danny Birch who's based in the US now, why did why is he a name that stays? It it does seem a little bit you know random and like a, a scattergun across the bow it's um it's definitely hard to make logic of with the nxt uk thing i think it's like that's that's one of the oddest of all because you almost kind of like expect that to come especially where you've got this volume of names here and then you know the volume of names who are signed to w, uh, to nxt uk and you think about how much tv time that they've got each week and like how many people have got signed and if you almost like average out how much tv time each of those talent even gets like in a calendar year it's so small you know the roster's so bloated that you know you just you'd think those were like immediate um immediate easy names to be you know cut along uh, alongside that um that process it's almost like nxt uk like you were talking about before about doing robocop on our um 
on our thing. It's almost like NXT UK, some kind of like Directive Four or something like that that William Regal's managed to like put into Vince Man's brain or something like that. That it's you know it can't be touched or, or something. But it's uh, it's 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 just if you get a new gimmick name of Richard Jones, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> so you're about going at the top of the pile, NXT UK, aren't they? The top of the pile uh, in the UK, yeah, yeah. the burning pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is, though. You know, you said like you know, is there a value in these names? Maybe collectively, like Vince is still of the the mindset. There's a value collectively in keeping them all there because it keeps those fuckers down over in there, over in the UK. We can't let ITV World of Sport come back. You know, he probably still thinks it's uh, 2017. But again, with what we, you know, what you've again, what we assume a lot of the guys are earning as well over in NXT UK as well, you know, it being relatively small and, you know, who knows what the details are of the BT deal and things like that. Possibly they are contributing to something that is delivering an element of, you know, positive revenue for the company or something Don't like tax back something under like from that. Which, or something. Which, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, which, you know, makes it, makes it fly, fly under the radar. But, I mean, you like bring up Nia Jax there. Like, she's been, she's been with them seven years. Like, that is a, that is a Hogan pin in the Iron Sheik to Hogan <laughs> pin in Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania Seven run. You know, mm. it's a fucking long time that that she, you know she's she's had there as well, and you know as well as the you know as well as some of the personal things that might like get raised there as well. Seven years is a fucking long time for somebody to like you know prove that they're worthwhile keeping that they are a big enough star that they're generating enough revenue or generating enough you know money for the business and things like that that they're generating value in terms of the way that they work with other people on the roster and clearly she's somebody who there's been a lot of problems with from a work standpoint as well like in the past as well yeah exactly you know she's injuring (laughs) other people she's in in many ways she's active she's actively taken away from the business's ability to make money by injuring people who make money and make and not be able to appear on TV or house shows and things like well, that. Well, you can argue she made money by smashing up um, Becky Lynch's face and it's... Exactly. There you go. She made social media money in that My Hole clip that went viral, you know? Untold millions uh, <laughs> from the views on that. That's a prime example, though, to me, of somebody who they've got a name. It was almost a bit surprising that they're released at this point, but like... Again, you take a step back, and as far as I'm concerned, she's had a lot of opportunity to, you know, and she's probably earned a fucking lot of money over the last years, certainly over the last, you know, maybe four years, five years that she's been on the main roster as as, as well. And, like, you know, if... You've, you, you've got to be delivering some kind of, like, value to me when, you, when you're there. You've had a good run, like... You know, you can't you, 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 you can't just be like you know you can't be paying people forever, and if they're not bringing something to the table, then why would you, as a business, want them as 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 part of your roster as well? You know, it's a, it's a fucking business; it's not a charity at, at the end of the day. But who does but make the they, money outside the Roman? Like yeah. you know, that applies to it. Surely, like Ian said, the chat well, area—that's everyone, isn't it? Like they've created a business model where the brand is king. Hmm. Exactly, and that's where, and that's where we shouldn't be surprised where people get released, and and, and when some of these supposed bigger names do get, you know, do get released. I mean, how many people on their roster would you say are untouchable? Mm, no one at this point. 
that's the quote that Thanks came out, wasn't it? One of the wrestlers said to, I think it was Sean Rassap, like, you know, once Bray went, we were all like, okay, like everyone under Roman, <laughs> it could be any of us. Like we were, we were looking mm-hmm. at, up for that list on Thursday thinking it literally could be anyone next. It could be any name. Like that's the thing. Because um, it's such a mix, isn't it? It goes from mm-hmm. Eva Marie to someone they like just brought Zayda, Zayda Remier, you know, and, and, Trey Baxter, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the Eve Marie one is just kind of laughable. I mean, carrying cross sadly is in the um, <laughs> Wrestle Crap Hall of Fame. I mean, there's just looking at the list, there's some interesting yeah. names. Well, like, I mean, know, if you, let's go through sorry. the list. Let, let's like, like, where do you see the like these people like winding up? Like, Keith Lee's the obvious first one. Like, we all think AEW, don't we? Like, surely, if you're, I know where, where the podcast, I know you'll say it a lot, Gareth, where it's like, mm, you can't take everyone. Mm, we don't want to see too many WWE names. Keith Lee's a day one pickup. I would have I rang him already. You know, a big lad who will be over with your yeah. fan base, who offers something different, who's got main event potential. You know, Keith Lee, I sign him tomorrow. Oh, big, big time. Like, I, the thing that I always like look back is, is, is that moment with like Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. And then when Keith Lee came out and like Brock Lesnar doing his whatever he said, like, oh, you're, you're a big, big boy, boy or something like that. And then it was just like, that, that was like, that was like, in me, I thought like, fucking hell, yes, Keith Lee's made is going into a big program here with Brock Lesnar. This is going to, this is going to be like a big WrestleMania match. Mm. Brock Lesnar, Keith Lee, Keith Lee's a made man. Fat, you know, kind of thing. They fuck it up as they as as they always always do. But to me, that that like moment just showed that getting a big star, giving someone like Keith Lee that that rub, or you know that that moment, present making him be presented as looking like a big star. And he, we all know that he's got the skill set and the charisma and things like that to to back it up. Like again. Like you say, Benno, I'll always say, like, oh, is the AEW roster too full? Like, should we be putting a bit of time in between these? Sign carefully tomorrow. His, you know, his, his skill set is unique. Is like you say, he's big, he's charismatic, his move set, he's, he's got everything there that's Banger just of designed. Tune. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it designed to be a success in, in AEW, carefully as well yeah. like you always say gareth you know like you know we've disagreed about kevin steen in the past but like with 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 keith lee you know do they have they don't really have big men you know they have one or two but like absolutely like he's he's something different the company can provide and, you know we said that on the weekend show didn't we jp you know obviously it's not mm-hmm. the lead reason you hire someone but you know as far as like mm-hmm. aw having you know african-american names at the top of the cards that has been a criticism you know i've heard from people who you know know a lot more about you know that subject than me you know he's somebody who again you know he, you could absolutely you know he is your the answer to that question is there somebody out there who could main event aw shows it's him yeah i really think it is and, and even like kind of taking that out could he be there on ability and charisma mm-hmm. and a very underrated promo because he has a particular style that isn't what WWE want, which is probably a bit more bombastic. That's not him. Mm. You know, this is a guy who's like, when he speaks, his words come across as being considered. Um, He could go in there as a main event, like, you know, to agree with both of you, it comes down to like, he offers something different Mm. at the top of the card. If you go down the list of like, kind of, you get Keith Lee, Brian Danielson, Mm. Keith Lee, CM Punk, Keith Lee, Kenny Omega, like you know, there's lot, there's interesting directions you can go. Obviously, there are like as we'll have to at some point speak about, like when AW don't start renewing certain people's contracts. Mm. He's someone you make space for. Mm. 
like you make the effort because long term there's like a lot of untapped potential with him he's in his late 30s what is he 38 now yeah is he mm-hmm. so you've got to really strike now yeah this and- is where you can get the run it also opens up new japan where he does have a relationship in terms of he's wrestled matches against Ishii that we've seen for like kind of Rev Pro, that first one being an absolute fucking crackerjack match. Um, you'd think as well, going to AEW kind of keeps that door open. So mm. that's the place where it makes sense because when you're talking New Japan, really in a way you're kind of mentioning, well, AEW is there as well, that if you're, massively if you impress in one then there's a good chance of going over and when travels open i expect to see andrade turn up there i expect to see danielson turn up there you know it's yeah. and he could be part of that they yeah. need fucking talent yeah he's someone as well who like you know in a bygone era you might have gone oh he's been done down by the bearcat stuff and oh they've treated them on tv one one segment on dynamite and no one's ever going to talk about that ever again like he's it's so easy to rehab him we you know no one blames keith lay either it's the booking isn't it we all see and the aw fan base especially will will be aware of him and and see how good he is and i mean and like jp's referencing there like obviously like the likes of danielson the likes of omega like i'm looking at it as well and you think like the experience he's got, like the the miles he's got on the clock from like an indie standpoint as uh, as well, mm-hmm. just getting him in there as well with like a Wardlow or a powerhouse Hobbs and things like that, being able to have these big man matches that are going to be really good, that are going to help hone and season these lads who have got promise for the next 10 years down the line and things, things like that. Like someone like that, you know, having a big man who can still go and can still work is going to be like really valuable for their development. And, you know, I said it in our chat, the Miro match, I was just amazing. Just like, <laughs> I was just like, oh God, yeah. I just want, I just want, get him in, him versus Miro. What a match, you know, for, for that is just two, like two big lads with bags of charisma who can both go, like who can both fucking hit hard, who can, ah, oh, like, it, that's a, like a dream match for me. Those two just going at it in this environment and like just get his signature big turn, get him, sign him on the dotted line. That's hilarious as well. You look at the difference between those companies where they're talking about him in AW, like he can teach the young lad something. Whereas in WWE, it's like I need to go back and train. He needs to learn how to work. Like he was, he was one I remember, and obviously it's a bit poison now with like Riddle. But like they were the names where when AW launched, I was like, oh, they just waited a couple of months. Like they would be so perfect for this company. Um, yeah, you'd have to think. Uh, Big Tone's done an interview basically saying, you know, there's names on the list he finds interesting. That's got to be top. I mean, going through the list, other names, uh, Ember moon that's one where i personally see landing up in aw i don't know if I, i'd probably yeah. say it for really anyone yeah. else on this list but we always say you know the aw women's division as opposed to any other division in the company does need you know more talent more stars you know the men's division in aw people always forget got a leg up from having jericho and then moxley and you know it wasn't having to be established on the back of mm-hmm. a lot of indie names you know whereas the women's division has had to be established on a lot of indie names and also you know women coming over from japan it needs talent, it needs names. I know she's not the biggest name in the world, but she'll be over incredible and Ember Moon seems like a lock to me. She should be. Mm. That first NXT run that she that she had, she proved that she can go and she can mix it with the, you know, the the you know the better people at the end of the the, the spectrum from women's wrestling standpoint. Mm. She's someone again, she's bringing experience to the table. She can, Mm -hmm. she can absolutely like improve on some of the people who are used regularly for AW. 
she doesn't need necessarily to have to be coming in and being like right at the top of the card or something like that. But I think she's somebody who can definitely add something to the um, upper mid card of the AEW women's roster and potentially with the right, again, opportunity, right creative, you know, why not? She could literally go, you know, go to the top. You know, she was the only other name on that list where I thought I want AEW to sign them. Yeah, she's got, uh, also got a real point to prove. Like, it seems like she's legit angry. She's someone who came from the women's indie scene as well. So, like, for her, it kind of feels like Ruby Ruby Soho as much as anything else when, when she was released. It feels like, you know, point to prove going. It might be one of those deals where she goes in for a few matches rather than sign to kind of a long-term contract. That might be worthwhile because, you know, I think it's been a good policy for them to not bring in everyone a long-term deal, to bring people in for short programs and then sort of see how they fit in. And then you get to see the dynamic with them backstage as well. So I could see her doing that. I could, I could, I could see, see a couple with, of other people doing that as well. I was going to say, I could see that with Mia Yim as well. Like, you know, it was like an experienced mm-hmm. hand who never really got a fair shake in WWE. I mean, I, you don't want to hire people just because of who they're, they're going out with. But I mean, if Keith Lee is going to be there anyway, you know, I think I'd be like, oh, go on then, Mia. Like, <laughs> let, let, let's see what you can offer. You know, I'd be definitely, you know, she's, she's someone who I'd have in the mix. I don't know whether I'd immediately yeah. give a contract to, but I'd definitely be having her doing dates and seeing what i can do with her creatively because like i think it's been forgotten how good she is but like you know she has mm. never got a shake on the main roster i don't think she did she ever work a match as herself and I, I know she turned up under a mask and retribution or wherever the fuck it was and then i think she got oh, drafted God. to raw or something in the last draft and then never got used again like ah, she's one i feel bad for she never really got a proper shot i think there's the space to at least see what you've got there if you're tony Khan. yeah yeah i so- same kind of deal, mm-hmm. I think, as Ember Moon, uh, but not as perhaps not as high an upside as a worker. I might be doing her down because no, it good. just feels like she she is good. It's what it's really about doing is adding depth now of and people who can actually go on TV and be somewhat TV ready. Yeah, and she's Bobby uh, Fish, but younger and better. <laughs> yeah, and and you need that, don't mm-hmm. you? Now, it may seem harsh, but this is also the point where perhaps some of the people you've been using in those roles, you let them go out and get those indie dates because they all need reps. There's a lot of people who need like to just get out there and get working. And uh, yeah, I think Mia Yim would, would kind of fit in. I wouldn't expect her, you know, unless something, you know, unless she really kind of, I don't know, does a Serena Deeb and kind of works her way into that that type of position because that's really the big example here, isn't it? Mm. But like, look yeah. at Serena Deeb now. Look what she was given to work with and just look how she just completely took the opportunity and you go, there's real, there's something here. Mm-hmm. How long before? And, 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 and I, think she, I think she just totally fits the bill as well of like this, this AW continuous policy of getting these more experienced people in who work with the younger people and just just help them improve them you're like you you know i'm immediately just thinking of the likes of like a red velvet or a layla hirsch or a chris statlander or something like that all three of them working with a mia yim as opposed to working with the same people who they've been working with or lesser people where they're you know they're getting almost like the 
you know, local job talent kind of thing to work on dark or dark elevation, things like that. Working with someone like that is, again, it's only going to be advantageous to, to someone like this or an Anna J or even a Tay Conti or something like that. Again, just having having that someone who you can lean on a little bit more, you know, would, would add value. Is she someone who I could see, you know, becoming a big star? Probably not, but she'd be a very, very, like, effective cog in the wheel with a long-term view on some of this talent who potentially can be a big stars in the future. Definitely. Um, I suppose we'll go through the other names. I suppose, personally, I can group these three together, Karrion Cross, Scarlett and Frankie Monet, on impact <laughs> by the end of the month, JP. <laughs> like, <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> You'd think so. They'll find space for them. They really like them. So, yeah, yeah I think they definitely would do. Isn't Scarlett Bordeaux like this? Oh, it's a triple A match, I think, or something that's got a ridiculous amount of views. I know she's already announced an OnlyFans, which she's going to clean up there. Uh, I'll tell you what. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, but in carrying together, do you do that gimmick? Sorry? Do, you, do you try and like recreate the NXT entrance? I don't know if TNA have got the production budget to, uh, to do any of that stuff. I don't know what you do. I think you've answered your own question. Of course they'll try. <laughs> uh, you know, feels like exactly the kind of thing they'll do. Just make it black and white, um, sorted, done. <laughs> yep, that's all it needs to be. The smoke can just be in the graphics behind. That's uh, <laughs> that's all you need. And you actually see, hear them singing "Walk and Pray" or whatever fucking <laughs> it was. It'll be a cover um, version, won't it? Bring back um, what you call Dixie's husband. Get him to uh, to, to put that together. <laughs> But impact's kind of the level he's at, and I don't think he'll make a difference to their viewing figures either. He, he never has made it. He was lucky. Like, he was he's born. never someone who's made a difference. Yeah, Triple H liked him for some reason. Like, who knows why? But like that, that that was the best thing that happened to his career, and the worst thing that happened to his career was that uh, the Triple H lost his power. And I, I mean, we've talked about this in the past. You know, like you know, I described him as like the third Basham brother, you know, kind of thing. He basically, he basically is that to me. Like he's, he doesn't, his look isn't spectacularly stand out. It's not like he's, he looks better than every other wrestler that's out there or anything like that. His ring work's not there. His, his, you know, mic work or anything like that. He's like, to me, he's like, a, he's like a solid six across the, <laughs> across the, yeah. the bar really of everything that you'd want from a wrestler. And then in which case, Again, again, why would you, why why would you want like why would you want him on your roster necessarily? He's not. He's he's a guy who genuinely has been through a massive opportunity, and you know we might give higher ups at WWE a lot of stick sometimes for their decision making, but I think they've looked at him and gone, he hasn't got it. He's he's, he's not is 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 not the level of star that he's been pushed to be. And like, what's he going to add to our roster? Fuck all. You know, like he's never performed in front of fans, has he? His whole NXT oh, run yeah. came in in, the, in that crowdless era and and everything like that. Is you know, is is well, it feels like it feels like it. Apart from when they I, had I, that one I, row of fans in masks, yeah, behind. that's what I was. I was, was going to say. I can't. I can't say factually that he, but I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of his run came during lockdown when it was piped in noise anyway, and they could spend fucking ten minutes doing his introduction and things like that. Like anyway, you know what happened to the t- ratings for NXT in that time? Yeah, in the shitter, you know, and everyone lost his. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'd want him if I was Impact right now, to be honest. At Impact, though. Vegas can't be cheap. Call Power, give him a call. Oh, I can see him on MLW, 100%. Contra unit. <laughs> contra, contra unit leader. Oh, he'll be an Azteca <laughs> Underground. Like, yeah, they'll turn the black and white and the smoke into some magic gimmick. Oh, I can see that. 
Um, um, two, two names on the list that were, I suppose, asked for their release, uh, Grand Metalik and, and Lindsay Dorado, um, both uh, names that we'd definitely heard over time were looking to get out of the WWE system. You know, Unbelievably, uh, Grand Metalik is the form of Mascara Dorado. Like, that is... Like he was in WWE for half a decade, JP. Like that is unbelievable. Danielson talks about do? him like he's he's a dream match. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. You know, um, he is someone who just yeah basically went to WWE and sat in case room for five years, and every now and then did the uh, lucha lucha thing. That was the extent of his uh, his run in WWE. Oh yeah, that. Uh, do you think either of these lads are going to wind up doing anything in these? Because I mean, uh, Liam makes a good point there. You know, a lot of these names might be. Better utilised yeah. on the indies, which is crying out for uh, for names. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that with them. I mean, the issue is is that the Mexican business is on its arse. Mm. So, like, really, they're only really AAA as the major game in town. I mean, CMLL has got all manner of kind of awful infighting and the rest of it that's kind of sort of very much uh, like Lucha Libre, really. Mm. But, like, where would he... Um, like for these guys, it's likely to be the indies. I could, you know, again, like as a kind of guest shot, like someone like Mascara Dorado, you'd get in. He was in New Japan before. Do you remember those days? Jesus, and then yeah. when he'd be on, you think, oh, he looked good. And then you never see him. Yeah. Like he was signed to a contract and stuff. So mm. uh, indies, I could see him going somewhere actually like GCW, to be honest, and doing fucking brilliantly. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, which is a, which, when you're thinking of like wrestlers for where they can go to, someone like GCW, dare I say it, could do with some fucking decent wrestlers, frankly. Um, well, Blake Christian's already been announced there. Like, he's already landed yeah. on his feet as far as bookings go. I mean, I won't ask about him because that's where he's going, GCW. And you might turn off an Impact or MLW every now and then. I don't think yeah. there's a, a big story with him. What do we think about um, Only Lock in the form of Biff Busick or all? Well, the current Biff Busick, or are they announced for uh, for sixteen carat next year? He, uh, you know, he came uh, the last time there was a, a carrot that took place, and he, you know, seemed to have the time of his life, and you know, unfortunately, did uh, end up resigning with WWE. But yeah, I think he's someone who'll, you know, he's a different kind of of wrestler, but floating around the Indies probably uh, might get an odd look on a dark or something on a dark elevation. He's, he's exactly the kind of lad where you just think he he can just re- reignite and just peak a bit of interest in in the indie scene a little bit. Like you know, I, I immediately see the idea of him. Obviously, you know, he's he's doing carrot. He's the sort of person who could like pop up on a show or two over here, kind of thing that would make you think, yeah, maybe I will travel to to that show. Is somebody you could see popping up on like Bloodsport or something like that as well, and you know, having that that level of interest there, maybe even like New Japan Strong and things like that. I think he's got a few options that around some of these areas where he seems a, a natural fit. And I'm like, is is he's only in his mid thirties, isn't he? As well, like, is someone who's you know, is 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 Time, time is on his side as well. As there's, there's options there for him, as I think, and he does kind of feel like somebody who, while he's never gonna like, you know, he's never gonna, you know, blow any blow anybody away or anything like that. Um, particularly by being like the main event lead for another organisation or something like that. It's certainly somebody who's got a lot of value for indie shows and can can definitely put some uh, bums on seats on, on on that side of things and get people maybe to travel a bit more and watch and things. And you know, he's, again, he's one of 
where I looked at that list and thought about, okay, well, who are the names that I'm excited about at a at a high level and thinking about AEW and New Japan and things like that. Equally, he's one who was jumping out and I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, he'd be good. He'd be good to get back to the indie scene. And he's somebody who can kind of like refreshen up the American indies and, you know, breathe a bit of life into the European indies as well. So, again, he's one of those where I look at it and I think, do I want him to be stockpiled in NXT and turning up on 205 Live every three weeks or something like that? Absolutely not. Do I want him to be somebody who I can go and pay and watch? Absolutely. And, you know, and as a, as a wrestling fan, is the perfect example of somebody who I just whose name comes up on that list, and I'm just delighted to see out of their system. He also very neatly falls into the list of lads who can have the matches with like your Greshams and Davy Richards and Daniel Garcias and Lee Moriarty's if they're able to go out there in the indie. So he fits very neatly into all of that. He'll be on the next um, blood sport. Nailed on. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say that I always think of a comment Joe said when he signed and it was like he never had his big indie run like and it was at the point when those kind of guys were going it's like they've not even really had a run like i can get you signing some of these indie guys so this is feels really like the opportunity to do that and i imagine that he would kind of want to do that he seems kind of well settled for that and you know him versus i don't know gresham on a gcw show in the mid card before the interval yeah it's about spot on Anything on the other names Anywhere. listed there? We've got B-Fab, Jesse Cremier, whoever. I don't know who all these people are, mate. Baxter is, uh, is Blake Christian. I can tell you who that is. Yeah. Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama. Uh, nope. <laughs> I did note that uh, I think Jesse Kamir is uh, Shane Strickland, uh, Swerve's girlfriend. So his real life girlfriend got released, and his uh, stablemate girl Bfab also got released. Great, uh, great time to be Shane Strickland in that company. Um, but I can't say I know too much of uh, of either of their their work really, other than you know, obviously Bfab uh, being a, a push part of the uh, the Hit Row act. And to be honest, this just speaks to like a lot of what I said earlier on, like when I'm doing my first little spiel. Like we like we sit on here for three hours every three hours plus every Monday. JP does his daily updates. You know, you two do your weekend show. We do things like we don't even know who half of these people are. <laughs> and like you know, and 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 that you know lends itself to the point of why are they even signed? They're not doing anything with them. They're massively unimportant, and you know, and you can't even like creatively speculate about what they might do you know it's just you know I, I literally haven't got an opinion on half of the people on this list because i've got no idea who half of them are or where i do know who i are i've literally had to google them on the day they were released to go like oh that's blake christian or something yeah. like that you know and, and it's almost reflective of this point of you're signing too many people who aren't ready and you know just bloating the bloating the roster, and you're teaching them the same way. So unless you're somehow absolutely spectacular, whether from a physical perspective or you just take to it like a prodigy, how are you going to stand out? Mm. Oh, it's true. But hey, at least there's room. JP TBL Paco wasn't on the list, so you know he's done well. Survives, yeah. Again, a lot of potential, a lot of upside. Good height. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, amazing well yeah like I said we might well uh, might well end up talking this again if uh, the rumours do come true of any other releases like I say there's a, there's rumour of uh, potentially 10 more we'll see how it goes seems to be a quarterly thing now it's like a, yeah. know, transfer deadline day but four times a year you know exciting and look at this we've just talked about WWE for an hour 
<laughs> when do we ever do that? Never. <laughs> there you go. It's the most newsworthy thing that's come out of WWE <laughs> in a quarter, probably, as well. So there you go. Hey, Vin Diesel called the Survivor Rock on Instagram this week. Up. That's the that's the biggest WWE-related news story of the year that we can't have, you know. Oh, yeah, also can they announced you... some WWE releases. Say so, WWE Survivor Series uh, teams. Can you can you explain this to me? Why was this such a big thing? This this Vin Diesel. Well, oh, so I'll use this as a plug. I am doing the uh, the Too Fast Too Forever podcast next week, um, where uh, you might have heard me mention it on the weekend show. It's a podcast near and dear to my heart, where there's only nine Fast and Furious films, but they've done two hundred episodes, and they basically just re- review the nine Fast and Furious films on an endless loop. I am joining them at the start <laughs> of the uh, the next loop <laughs> as they go slowly, slowly more insane. I don't know how many years they're going to keep this up, but. Um, they were saying they think it's a work and like there's been this whole like business where it's very pro wrestling the rock and vin diesel when they're on um when they've been in the, the last few fast and furious movies like they've all got like cut things in the contract that are like you know vin diesel can't lose a fight or the rock can't lose a fight to the point where it's core you know the rock wants to start his own little franchise with hobbs and shaw and it caused some friction fast and furious 8 you don't really see them on screen together at any point and then they add this mini feud on instagram where like those little passive aggressive posts from from the two of them you know rock was calling them out for being unprofessional Vin was uh was calling out the rock um ludicrous and tyrese got involved at one point as well it's all very pro wrestling <laughs> and now because the rock missed the last fast and furious film allegedly over this beef there is a, a possibility that a uh, vin diesel's on the on instagram there calling out the rock saying for asking for him to to come home and uh rejoin the family and do fast and furious uh 10 and potentially 11 which are going to be the last two films of the series so yeah fast there's, and some Furious Ho- <laughs> there's some hogan warrior shit going on here isn't there <laughs> and the politics i'm all i'm th- hearing is i'm hearing hogan baby facing himself as well to get kind of back in the good books you know <laughs> that's basically get, what get it the is. rock in there the rock on instagram money in this as well yeah on it yeah. do you know what he'll make a fucking fortune so <laughs> It's caused yeah, all kinds of uh, ripple, uh, ripple effects this week, but we'll see. Thanks for thanks for clearing that up. I, I just thought I was looking at it. And I just thought, is this just because like Vin Diesel looks massively photoshopped to look massive compared to the Rock here? Oh, that's so things. funny! In the movies, he like stands to his side so his arms look bigger, and you can see the two of them like pushing the chest out when they're uh, when they're anywhere near each other on screen. It's great. He's not winning that. Is he, he's Vin not. Diesel? He's got no never winning that. <laughs> Fuck's sakes! Uh, but yeah, that's what Rock's doing. Rather than coming back to uh, to work with uh, with Roman at WrestleMania, I think he uh, he shot that down again in an interview today, saying it uh, it might happen one day, but no immediate plans. Uh, the creator of that would have to be good. I think he won't wrestle again. I, I honestly do. I think he'll do appearances again, but I don't see another Rock match. If it was going to happen, I would have expected it to happen this year. It almost mm-hmm. felt like it was like the, was it SummerSlam? They did the Cena match. With yep. Roman, was that some like it almost felt like it was going to be Cena than than the Rock kind of thing on this you know this huge push of Roman Reigns? But yeah, if he's if he's not doing Mania next year, like yeah. it just doesn't doesn't seem like a thing that why would he ever want to do it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Putting put, working with Roman to me would be the only motivation for How him. Much to does come, he want to put him over? Mm. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, uh, WWE as well, from their point of view, like, is it worth paying the money? Like, it's not like they sell pay per views anymore. They don't live and die by that. Does it really matter? 
Yeah, it, 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 you'd still want to do it, though. For a company that's kind of obsessed with its own law and it, its do own... Do it in Saudi, kind. maybe? That's when they can afford it. Oh, my <laughs> God. I don't think he'd do it. Yeah, I honestly he's don't too conscious think of his own. Uh, he's a walking he's Instagram post, and he's too uh, conscious of his public persona. Exactly. Yeah, he gets that. And I think at times it does make you wonder whether or not his association with WWE, he kind of looks perhaps in that kind of a way and says, actually, is this good for me mm. being associated with them? And they're doing quarterly shows in Saudi Arabia and then I'll get asked, paid for that. Yeah, there's no way he'd do that Saudi show. Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, it's, I'd still be shocked though. I've, I still expect it. It's wrestling. And I always kind of think, am I just being worked here fundamentally? You know, you're never surprised. They always turn up last fucking minute, don't they? And they love that and do the backstage documentary shite that goes along with it. Yeah. We'll see. But um, anyway, like I said, so we spent enough time on fucking Toby the Beard. It's, yeah. it's full gear week, everyone. We need to uh, to get in, in gear for uh, for AEW. And obviously, we'll be doing the uh, the full preview on the weekend show on Friday for the car. But we can definitely talk, um, you know, the final build towards full gear and the uh, the two last uh, couple of shows from AEW. And tell you what, lads, I'm calling an audible here. We're doing it again. We're starting with the A show. We're starting with Rampage because I've got uh, <laughs> lots of thoughts on, uh, on that. It being, uh, it being fresh and... Uh, uh, you know, particularly uh, featuring something that uh, definitely was a uh, was high on over the weekend. It's um, you know we can uh, go back and forth uh, between the two shows, but would it would it shock you to uh, <laughs> to know that I was a big fan of uh, this this week's episode of Rampage? Oh. It comes to something when I saw it on uh, on Twitter today. Um, even fucking Jim Cornette uh, is out there um, praising the, this episode and uh, this opening uh, segment uh, specifically. Um, that tells you that yeah, even he can't uh, can't work his gimmick. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about the bunny against Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did well, you know, in the eighteen forty nine. You know, always does bunnies a draw. You wonder why she's on TV all the time. <laughs> did you manage to watch this unspoiled gareth or was it uh was it ruined by the uh the twitter uh talk Nah, well i mean it was it was it was one that, like i don't at the end of the day when it comes out and it's like a it's a promo or something like that mm, i'm yeah. not too fussed about i'm not too fussed about like spoilers and then and then i think what was it what was the one i see <laughs> was it you tweeting out why are my two dads <laughs> fighting? <laughs> oh. I love that. That, 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 that definitely uh, that got a laugh out of me. But yeah, fucking hell, what a what a segment! I should let you go first on this, Benno. It's it's yeah. this is this I'll, is your. I was beyond the couch, baby. mate. I was fucking. Oh, it was horrible. Like I had to, I've, honestly, I've watched this segment like five times because the first time I watched it, I was I was I genuinely was like, why are they being so mean to each other? Like it was. The thing about this segment and why it works so well is like neither of them came across great. That was the other thing. Like, you know, they both, it came across like it was a real argument. It was a real, like how many, you know, fights do you see like either between mates or like just in general where, you know, no one ever comes across, no one really takes the high road. You know, everyone's throwing like little barbs in. It gets personal. It gets petty. And that's what this was. It was like, it was real. Like it, and this, you know, it's gonna happen, isn't it? When you got two of the, two of the best talkers, you know, one in wrestling history, but two, you know, at least currently um, in wrestling, oh, Punk's gone on record of saying, you know, Eddie's the uh, the current best promo in wrestling, and I think I agree with him based on this, this segment. But like, 
Yeah, it was just, it was that. It was, you know, obviously I can go into the the history that they're bringing up here. That's, you know, catnip to me, you know. They're, to, they're fucking, they're making IWA Mid-South and Chikara fucking canon here. Like, I'm wait, I was waiting for someone to drop a CP Monk um, reference, which is the, uh, the straight-edge chipmunk in, uh, in Chikara that uh, those lads uh, put together. Sion Punk wasn't very happy with. Um, I can tell you the history if you want to know in a, in a bit, but there was all that. Uh, to and fro in the mid 2000s and you know everything that he said was true he did have you know i've seen people you know talk about him as an roh guy he wasn't an roh guy that's the thing about it he got into the the company later on um through a team with homicide and through doing other various stuff but like peak roh he was always on the outside looking in apart from during the uh, the roh czw feud where you know he was kind of backdoored in through the czw stuff so all of that stuff you know lived it you know and it's it is I can I can tell you is true. You know that was land of the, the lay of the land at the time. Eddie Kingston was seen as like you know he's a good promo, but you know does he put the effort in? Is he good enough to to work at the top indies? I'm sure I did the snarky message board poster once or twice about him until you know they eventually uh, fell in love with him. But yeah, that that was the thing. And yeah, I don't think you even needed to necessarily know all of that stuff or know that back stuff. It was just you know these two have got a history. You know, it's a it's a real beef from back in the day. You know, that yes, they're dropping names like and you know I'm loving it, Samoa Joe and Homicide and you've got like Kingston, like don't say that name. Like it's like he said the name of like his punk said the name of his god, <laughs> like in daring to say the word homicide and punk is you know biting back with, you know, saying, you know, well it wasn't just me that thought these things about you. It was it was homicide, it was Joe, and he's listing those two off and Oh, like I say, they both came across like you know maybe a little bit petty, maybe a, a little bit better, you know maybe a you know a little bit too personal. But it just you don't see this stuff in pro wrestling anymore. It doesn't, you know. This felt as real as any promo segment I've ever seen, and you know going from that where I was already loving it or you know half hating it because like you say my two dads were were fighting to that point when you know. Kingston says to Punk, you know, and you know, after the match, you know, they do a great job of building the match at full gear. They're like, you know, and after that, after the full gear match, don't uh, don't go off and uh, disappear for another seven years. And that Punk headbutt was so good. It was like oh. you don't expect it from Punk, but like it works so well. It was like it was just it sent sent. It was already an all timer of an AW segment, and then that happened, and then the pull apart, and like Punk's all dishevelled and. Eddie's sticking his tongue out and like wanting to get back at him and everyone's separating them and it was like oh just I, honestly I couldn't pay attention to the rest of the show after that segment watching it live on a uh, on Friday night like all I was thinking about was this segment and like I say must have rewatched it four five six probably more times at this point I just I loved it so much and it was yeah just an absolutely perfect pro wrestling segment can't talk <laughs> no. Do you think last thing it was all right as well? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, they did, did a good job. Now, it, you've, it's such you've, it's the fact that you just never see this mm. anymore, and you don't get to chance see people cut loose. Now, I'm, I'm not as aware, of, obviously, anywhere near the amount of story that you are as well. But you still don't need to know all of those things. That's like the kind of subtleties, the actual kind of key notes. They're kind of hitting home. The fact that Punk, first of all, sort of turns down the match. And then the whole time it's like Punk's talking to the crowd, whereas Eddie Kingston's talking to him. Hmm. And, and almost telling the crowd to shush a point, you know? Yeah. 
oh, it, and he's got like uh, that Knicks hoodie as well. It looks fucking smart. I just want to throw that out there. Like he <laughs> it, it looked good, but it it was it was classic kind of wrestling one hundred and one of talking your way into it and working out themselves like what is going to work. And we've you know said for a while wanted Punk to be involved in something substantial. Well, here we go. This felt substantial, and I think that's the kind of beauty of it. I've all, I've thought for the in terms of the ratings and in terms of for them to grow to the next level, they need to put together storylines that are going to kind of really connect and really work. And I think this is an example of it. It may not be indicated by the ratings on that week, but think about where it goes. And and because this is, feels like a feud that's not going to end at full gear, that's going to go in different directions. We haven't mentioned John Moxley, but if you know, if and when John Moxley returns, like that feels like it will it will kind of segue into that. You might have Brian Daniels involved as well. He was mentioned within there. Like it kind of interplays into a lot of stuff. It's like they've taken Benno's wrestling fandom and decided <laughs> we're gonna make this in 2021, like part of this law. Like it's it's quite remarkable. And like the absolute joy that you got from it is like kind of half the fun for me. As well as like the history of it though, as well, you know, and obviously there's that, you know, like I say, Mm. the the history of, you know, Punk not getting along with Kingston and the Chikara lads. And it all kind of came from his mini fallout with Chris Heroes on the Chikara side. And a lot of it's like bluster from Punk where like, you know, I'm in with the proper wrestlers, you know, the ROH lads, the Danielson, the Joe and that, we all take it seriously. Meanwhile, his best fucking mate's Colt Banner. Like, you know, it's like it never really made any sense why he had such a hatred for for those, like, that Chikara crew and all of that. But, like, that aside though, like, I would say, like, the, the Punk fan in me what it brought out, and I think you'll say the same, Gareth, is it it felt like, okay, we're on the road now. This is CM Punk. Like, this is the mm. the edge we want. This is, you know, yes, he was a bit of an arsehole in the segment, but he kind of is a bit of an arsehole. That's part of it. This was the, you know, this I wasn't going to say straight edge CM Punk, the, the serious edge to, uh, to CM Punk that we wanted, that bit of passion, that bit of, you know, like I say, more than just being happy to be there, having something to, to sink his teeth into. And that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this. And I was thinking about like the last few weeks where you've, you know, you've been saying it's good. This is good and I'm enjoying it, but I just want to, I'm just ready to see, see him get his teeth that he like sunk into something that's a bit more substantial. That's a bit more classic CM Punk, what you'd expect from CM Punk. And this segment was absolutely that, wasn't it? And it just, you know, like, I, I, I don't know how anybody could watch this segment and not immediately be desperate to watch that match at full yeah. gear because of the way that it was presented in you know in such a way it was like it was in 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 many ways it was just like wrestling one hundred and one wasn't it you know like I'll often talk about like you know wrestling matches themselves having that element of like realism and it you know it jumping off the screen and looking credible and authentic and things like that and it's something that you know again a promo can deliver absolutely the same and this was one that just again that authenticity just bled through that like the way that they both even right down to things like 
body position and posture and things like that, the way Punk was in the corner with his arms folded and things. And Eddie took the piss out of him a bit for the, the way he was stood and things. And right down to the language that was used, like initially, like where, you know, CM Punk invited him into my ring. And like, and then there was that point where like Eddie Kingston's like, you know, you want an apology. And he's like, and then he's, like punks the big star kind of thing, but he's like, answer me when I'm talking to you kind of thing. He's like, again, the both kind of just trying to take that kind of element of like authority and superiority in the debate. And to be honest, it wasn't something that I, I, I hadn't thought about this, but you saying about it there, Benno, of like that almost thing of like the, you know, when you've had mates and things like that and they get into a bit of an argument and it sort of like escalates beyond where maybe suddenly you go, oh, fuck like this is real shit this is serious kind of thing like kind of a and you think maybe they're kidding around a bit maybe or something like that and then suddenly oh no fuck they're gonna fight kind of thing like like this is this is this is and and you had that yeah like with in retrospect you definitely like kind of had that feel that, that that came out came out from it and and again it was just that literally yeah you know we talked about it last week you boy, you, you know, you you take it back a level. It doesn't need some convoluted storyline behind it. It's, you know, Kingston lost that match. He walked past Punk in the back. It looked like he had a bit of a smirk on his face, and it's escalated from that to this. To now, there's going to be a match at full gear, and you just think three very mm-hmm. basic points from a wrestling standpoint. It doesn't need fifty writers sitting there, you know, creating the nuance of the dialogue or what steps are along the way in the story and things like that. You just put two pros out there who know what they're fucking doing. Give them a this is where we get into go out and speak and you know, this is your classic, classic wrestling talk them into the building job because mm-hmm. my God, I Cannot wait for this match. Absolutely cannot wait. I can't wait for more promos. I, I, want, I want Dynamite and Rampage. I, 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 pl- I play this entire segment again on Dynamite. Like, I feel like maybe that was the plan. You know, I think it was a shoot that Eddie was supposed to be at Dynamite and couldn't go for health reasons. He was whatever. ill. Yeah, he was ill. And yeah. I was wondering whether it was COVID or whatever. Like, I, I just replay this entire... I, I, I go on say it. Like, uh, people I don't want to give credit, but he did. You know, replay this whole segment on Dynamite. <laughs> use the... You know, rampage last week for more promos like at the the road to show whatever it is they've got on TNT going into full gear. Have them sit down and you know explain that history, go into a bit more detail. I mean, I just desperately want CP Monk to be made AW Cannon. That's my main my main goal here. But you know, show some Chikara footage, show some you know. Let's get that's where you need that at that ROH library. Let's get that ROH library. Let's make it part of like AW history. Like you know, my mind's going crazy with the possibilities because, like you said there, JP. You know, I think. They almost certainly were leaning towards uh, Punk and Brian versus Mox and Kingston direction. Obviously, when we talk maybe mm-hmm. a bit more on Dynamite, we can talk a bit about Moxley, but I wonder whether they'll be tempted to, you know, I know this is a selfish one because I know the last appearance didn't go well. I wonder if they're going to like shoehorn homicide yeah. into that just as like a payoff for, you know, that New York spot, which, like we all said at the time, wasn't great. But, you know, you give me homicide and, uh, and Danielson going back and forth again in, uh, in Ring of Tone, and I'll. Uh, I'll absolutely forgive that. I think that's the direction we're going. To be honest, they've got Brian Anderson versus Rocky Romero on next week's Dynamite. So, like, like James, you said, if we were in any doubt that it was a uh, Tony Khan front row at that uh, ROH show, I think we might need to go back and and watch the tape because <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he was there at these shows, or at the very least was on the uh, the message board. But I love that they're leaning into this real history and making it part of AEW history. It makes me want them to have, you know, that uh, that that tape library even more. 
And I'll tell you what, the the way that the crowd were reacting to Eddie Kingston as well, like, you know, you think this is a, you know, you think that the level of CM Punk is the clamour for CM Punk to come back, the reactions that CM Punk has got since coming back. You look at this like in isolation and then you look at the reactions that Eddie Kingston was getting for things that he was saying there as That's well. Like, what a fucking, you know, what credit to Eddie Kingston for his, yeah. you know, his, 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 his the, the power of him with a microphone in his hand and how he can get people behind him. You know, even in a situation like this, when, you know, arguably there's an element of him being in the wrong and things like that, but he can still get the crowd on his side. He can still position CM Punk into a corner where then the worst sides of CM Punk's character come out and come to the fore as well. And then you can't, it almost like chips away at the nice guy punk that we've seen, you know, his Mm -hmm. presentation be for the entire time of AW as well. It was it was like as much as I'm a CM Punk fan, it was like a it was like a masterpiece from Eddie Kingston, really, in terms of the way that 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 worked, and he got people to buy into him, and he got people to question their relationship with Punk and question Punk's role, and his you know the whole idea of Punk even being in AEW as well, and things like that, you know. And there's people in the it, back honestly, who don't like you. It's like exactly. I love was, that. Yeah. Will had a go at that. Will was going, oh, I don't know. I, you know that 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 can't be true. And I was like, yeah, but in a petty argument like that, you do exaggerate. I'm sure it's not everybody, yeah, yeah. but there's there, there's got to be people at the backstage who weren't happy he turned up. You know, and and even it it almost just plays into that idea of like somebody turning up like new at a school or something like that who is popular mm. or something like that, and then somebody who's been there saying, yeah, nobody likes you. The, the people who've been here actually don't like you, and then that person who's new and popular maybe questioning themselves a little bit. Oh. I thought I was like all right, and people like me, but he probably knows a bit more because he's he's been here longer and things. You know, it almost like just that basic kind of that kind of that. I, I love that line. It really just sort of threw that grenade of doubt in as to oh yeah, yeah this big time punk coming in. We've we've all thought oh yeah, he's the perfectly you know his his everything about his whole character and persona over the years just fits into the whole ethos that AW was built upon. But mm. just putting that seed of doubt in there and then also just putting that, you know, seed of doubt, you know, even if you think about it for long-term stuff like your Omegas and, you know, books and things like that, that the company's built on who are heels and things like that as well. It just, it just opened probably unconsciously just kind of opens up a dynamic there that can be leveraged really further down the line as well. Definitely. Um, you know, like I, I was going to say as well to your, to your point about like Kingston holding his own here, he did the same with Danielson last week, you know, like <laughs> it, it shouldn't be That's given that like indie legend Eddie Kingston, you know, is on equal footing with these like megas. Like this is the difference between AW and WWE, isn't it? In a nutshell, like you know, Eddie Kingston would even be given a second look, whereas in AW, like he's given the chance to shine. And like you look at him going, off, oh, if he got this chance ten years ago, he might have been the next Steve Austin. That might be bluster, but you know what I mean. Like he could, you know, he is a major star in AEW. Like he's realizing his potential. There's a the, it, it's the entire credibility of the character completely works, and they've got it right from day one. He's come in there, and he's always got a chip on his shoulder, which you see throughout this as well, and he always carries with it. It's part of his kind of character. I think he's a main eventer. Like, you think about it, his main event at a pay-per-view already mm. against Moxley. Like, he is a focal part of these shows. I know they talk about, like, whether or not how much merchandise and stuff that he actually moves, and I, I don't know how much that would be. But you think of the reactions in the building. Mm. He is 
one of the most over guys in that company. Like he really is. And he feels like he's so adaptable between heel and face because effectively he's just being himself. He is just, you mentioned Austin. There's this kind of positioning to it. It's, I'm not saying Eddie Kingston is Steve Austin, but at the same time, there are very much shades of that character that work here. And I view him as someone who fits into that main event mix. Like you put him into that main event mix. I don't think he loses credibility. Is he an underdog? Sure. But he feels like he's, it's what it's amazing what happens when you recognize talent in someone and you go with it for a bit and you don't give a shit about whether or not they're a fucking bodybuilder. Does he have to lose again? Should he? I was just going to say, should he win? Because <laughs> he's going to have to should win. He win? I, oh, I, th- I, I think he, I don't know. I think he should win. He never wins. He never wins. <laughs> he never, feuds. In, uh, if he, uh, you know, the scope for this to stretch, isn't it? Mm. If Eddie wins and the bragging and all that, can you imagine the bragging promos and things like where that can go? Like, I think Eddie's got to win and like Punk's got to lose at some point. And, and why not? Why not be in a feud where he loses and then he ultimately probably gets the, gets the win in a best of three series or something like that further down the line. But I, I'd put Eddie over. I, I, I think he, from based on this on this promo, I, I think it's the right way to go. It's hard though. It's like with Punk, like because of the way they've done it, and they haven't. You know, Tony Khan said in his interview with Ray Keller, mm. they purposely didn't bring him in and put him in the marking feuds right away. They've had him doing lesser stuff. So, and there is a consequence of that where, like, maybe you're not getting the most out of this big star you've brought in. Once you do put him in a feud for him to lose, then I don't know. Like, because I want Eddie to win, because <laughs> I do. Um, I, does that? I think we get the more? best. I, you can I, cheat. I, I was going to say, I think he's going to do something which basically kind of suggests that he was always that bit smarter than Eddie. So it'd be kind of heelish, but it, in the way that he was kind of heelish here, but it wasn't like th- ever thinking of it as a heel turn, which is a fine art. Because he's just someone who's basically, like you say, he's, he's being a dick, which we all know that's part of CM Punk folklore <laughs> as well. So I think he'll be a dick within the match and end up winning. But Eddie won't lose. He won't lose anything. And it will just be as intense as all hell. I expect it to be just kind of like an all-out brawl. I just see them going hell for leather. It's become a massive match on this card overnight. Like, it, it, like if you think of the big matches on there, like I'd still say the... The, the world title main event but it's just sort of leapt up there above so much of the other stuff for me it's like it's it's number two yeah and like like you know Liam has said there you know a, a feud where probably more anticipation of the the promos and the other talky segments almost as much as the the match itself I am but my only negative is like oh, I wish they'd done this 10 weeks ago I'd love to have 10 weeks of promos back and forth but uh, that of, road like, two show that. yeah that yeah. road two show I'll be watching that on YouTube. I'll be fascinated to see how good that'll fucking be. Um, well, yeah, so moving on. So I don't want to move on. I want to talk about the headbutt somewhere. How good was the headbutt? It was like, oh, it, was, yeah. it was Joe Angle, yeah. wasn't it? It, was like, oh, yeah. it, it Did, took the segment what, what, from what I, one level to, oh, yeah. Sorry. What what I loved about that was where you asked me about like did I see this unspoiled kind of yeah. thing? Well, I saw the I saw the nuts and uh, the, the nuts and bolts of it were unspoiled. You know, I had oh, the man. reaction on Twitter of people, oh, that was great and things like that. I didn't know the detail when that headbook came out of nowhere. I was just like, oh, <laughs> like you say, it was just like it was just like we've just fucking you know dropped a gear or something like that. Yeah. Like here we go, like fucking hell, like loved it. 
again, that felt like a real fight, didn't it? It was just oh, beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. That's what happens. Two pros in there. Allowed to do what they want. AEW, what a promotion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we'll, we'll probably jump back and forth. We have to do that first. It is the, the hottest thing going right now. Well, we can jump back and yeah. forth from Rampage and Dynamite. I mean, the other, you know, another match on Rampage after this was uh, was Danielson and, uh, and Anthony Bowens. Um, probably talk about Danielson's week in general, I suppose. Uh, this, you know, the match on Rampage was all right one. It wasn't up to, to a, a huge amount. It was more a case of... Maybe maybe Brian Danielson being a little bit more uh, generous than he needs to be with a uh, with a younger wrestler, but that's just what he does. Um, yeah. But it was a nice little match. Good claims promo. Where, I was about to yeah, say, yeah. worth it for the <laughs> with the raff on the way out. Sorry. What what did he say? Some, something like, um, yeah, end more careers than your father in law to uh, yeah. to Danielson. Yeah. That was a line. That was a great line. It was funny because I thought Danielson was laughing to the previous stuff a bit, like hiding his laughter, and then that line looked like it maybe cut him a bit. Like yeah, he didn't. I actually, it, it was it, it was it was a bit like oh fuck, like don't go there kind of thing. But oh that you know, that that whole that whole rap it was just funny. Like it was it was just quality and just ending on that line. But I even got the kick out. I, I even got the kick out of the stupid stuff. You know, like you know, whatever. We only do numbers. You're too busy growing cucumbers and things like that. You know, like I was, I was, I was even laughing at those bits, kind of thing. I thought, I just thought it was, uh, I, I thought it was good stuff. The match itself was a three star special, wasn't it? It was just yeah. to get Brian Danielson out there and work a work, work a match. But, um, but yeah, but, but yeah, it was that line of the uh, the Laurinaitis line was was great stuff. What do you think of um, Danielson's week? Then we're leading. Towards the uh, the Miro match at the uh, the pay per view, I love I love Miro as the choice, you know, in this tournament. I think yeah. there probably was a temptation, wasn't there, to go with, you know, okay, let's just give Orange Cassidy a bye. But my little sneaky theory on it is, well, that would probably mean, you know, I, I think Danielson's going to be losing to Miro because there is that conversation. Yeah. That Danielson's going to have to lose at some point as well. I don't think Danielson's going back into the title picture immediately, so maybe they they realise that and we're like, well, we can't put. Orange Cassidy over him, so you know we have to have a, a replacement, and I think Miro's as good as uh, as good as you can get. Really, it fits so perfectly into the Miro story. It fits into the Miro story. It also fits into what I think they were going to do with the Moxley story in terms of turning him heel here, and they wanted a heel challenger to go up against Hangman Page. Hmm. So I think you kind of setting that up. I think you can do that with Miro. I think there's enough credibility for it. I just love the the squash match fucking violence element of it like mm. i i thought it was it was you know they've done a brilliant job in rehabbing him from the shite if you remember at the beginning with bleach blonde hair and gucci fucking pajamas and the rest of it to this absolute fucking killer who is always been kind of underrated in the ring and feels like he's going to get a kind of a push that's properly worthy of that level and like you say fits into the stories the promos the tone of it it's it's great Mm. And yeah, I I think Miro's I think Miro's winning. Yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it. I I think you know one of the things as well that you know the more I've thought about it as the weeks have gone by, this idea of presenting Miro as this killer, but then building in this 
this weakness this way that he can lose you know this whole idea of the neck and things like that you know i think this that having a slight element of vulnerability i think is is great from a storyline perspective that you know you could just have him go out there and kill people week in week out but like where do you go with it at the end of the day you ultimately meet hit a point where he has to lose and then there has to be a reason for it and then do you deflate it i think by kind of almost like building in this element of like a weakness along the way and it's been something which is you know comes out and even came out in this like orange cassidy match where he hit that tornado ddt and mm. suddenly it was you know the, the the match swung the other way i think it's uh i think it's a very very clever thing that they've built in this uh in, in this process with with miro but you know he's just someone who every single week when he's on my screen i'm just glued to it whether it's uh, one of his backstage promos whether it's in the ring uh, looks absolutely fantastic the idea of him getting in there and him and brian danielson having 15 20 minutes to work together or something like that is just mouth-watering the idea of what what i think with the potential that miro has that hasn't been unlocked yet even still and like he's going to be in there with the perfect man to unlock things that Miro probably hasn't even thought about before and think you know things where he can use his physicality and his dominance in in there with with, with Danielson I, th- I think is is something that's just going to be outstanding and just even apparently they've only ever the, wrestled one before once before you know on TV that's something I read uh, really? yeah like that's the once <laughs> Yeah, and, and again, even like I don't. Even if you told me they'd wrestled twenty times in WWE, I just I'd, I'd just discredit it immediately. Yeah. It'd just be like, well, that doesn't matter, kind of thing. It's almost like this is, and it 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 feels like a fresh match, even if it's not. And it's clearly, you know, it clearly is still still a, a fresh match. But just even like at the end, just the the little face off, and you know, Danielson putting his hand out and Miro walking away, kind of thing as well. Simple stuff. Dead easy, easy wrestling stuff. Dead basic little things, but it just puts the little bit of meaning into something basic and just adds that little bit more juice going into a match. Doesn't need fucking convoluted bollocks that need to be built into it to try and create a story or create an element of a rivalry. It's two fucking blokes. It's two people who just want to get to a certain level within a, an, an organization, win the belt, whatever. Is there respect? Is there not respect? You know, put a bit of conflict, a bit of needle in between them. Easily done. And God, can't wait for this match as well. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you just say, you just say that about anything that Danielson and Munger are involved in at the minute, kind true, of thing, yeah. as, as, as well. But again, this is that, you know, almost to bring it full circle back to the WWE releases chat that we've had there. This is it. It's just putting people in this environment where there is that element of like freedom, and you can get like excited about yeah. stuff. Like, where's it going to go? And it's uh, again, it's making the most of people's raw talent and you know expertise and excellence, and just letting them run with it and do it well. And again, you know, in the same way that you talk about Punk and Danielson, on the flip side here. I'm as excited about Miro and Eddie Kingston as I am about Punk and Danielson going into these matches mm-hmm. as well and what they can bring to the table. And yeah, it's again for uh, for for faults in various areas. It's one of the big wins of AW that you you get things like this that you can get really really excited about. Um, I was going to say another feud that got a 
bit of play across the uh, the two shows, uh, the stuff involving um, Adam Cole and the uh, the Young Bucks and uh, and Jurassic Express. Like Cole main evented Rampage against John Silver in a very good match. Um, mm. I wasn't a huge fan of having him uh, wrestling two days after taking a concerto. Um, won't surprise you to know I'm not a fan of the concerto, but I'm also not a fan of the man giving it, so there is that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that- it, did, it, did amu- it did amuse me that the um, Punk Kingston segment was immediately followed by a backstage interview with Christian. <laughs> I thought, like, it really they, they, just keep, they just keep doing this to Benno. Like, every time there's, like, a big punk thing or something like that, it's like, ah, let's go to Christian just to bring Benno down. <laughs> Going on about spot monkeys and stuff. Yeah, I mean, luckily nothing he said was actually being taken in by my body, so it didn't it? It didn't, it didn't bother me too much. But I do think that's, like, I, I think that's a bit of quality control I wouldn't have done. I know Cole, you know, James, you were saying, like, you know, the best you can hope for, I suppose, in modern wrestling is at least Cole was selling it at least he was selling that he had some mm. kind of head injury in it it worked well into the into the silver match didn't it but I don't know I think if Christian's turn and I can't take credit I think I think uh, I can't remember who it was Joe McCormick I think on Twitter was saying like if there was going to be a concerto spot surely it's going to be when Christian got to be turning on Jungle Boy at some point when he turns maybe you might have saved it for that mm. a little bit weird but you know, as far as a few goes, it gives something for all the lads to do, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not a Christian fan. I might have taken a Christian Adam Cole singles match on the pay per view, but a six man, you know, makes sense too. And I think it'll uh, it'll be a it'll be it'll be a great match no matter what. Opener. Mm. Yeah, I, it might be too. If you're doing a heel turn in the opening match, that might be something. But if they're if they're saving that perhaps till Dynamite, then I could see this opening up the show. But like as a few, like you say, it just gives them something to do. And it doesn't mean the Bucks are in the title picture. Um, I'm perfectly happy with this. This is the kind of stuff that's very crowd-pleasing, easy, gets them on their feet, lots of stuff going on. Bucks three-and-a-half star match, which we've seen quite a lot of on Dynamite and Rampage, and I'm perfectly fine watching another slightly wilder version of it here because it's full count anywhere or something, isn't it? So yeah. I'm assuming they'll go up on the stage and shit like that. That it'll, You know, the Bucks will want to get their shit in. It's pay-per-view. Yeah, to me, it's that. It's, a, it's an opener. It just feels like a perfectly placed opener. Mm. Set the tone, go out and have a fucking 100 mile an hour match and, you know, set the, get, the, uh, get the crowd up and, and, and away we go. Just, just perfect. But you know, perfect for that kind, kind of thing. Doesn't need to be anything more. Mm. What did I have some Christian the... Cage miscommunication, and then yeah, get your yeah. feud going. I think that's the way we're going. Uh, what did we think of Colin Silver as a match? As the uh, the main event? Uh, I love, I love that about AEW that you can just, you know, throw. Just, I know the the promo on Dynamite got a lot of criticism because it was some reference to BTE that. I didn't understand that. I have much BT yeah. in about six months, so you know sometimes they put stuff like that on TV, and you're kind of like, ah, you know, do the. Uh, I'm not saying there's cat. I'm not going to use the phrase casual fans, but do your TV audience a favor, maybe, and uh, and make it a little bit clearer what's going on. But as far as a match went, I I did really enjoy it. Uh, I thought it was a good example of where like John Silver, somebody who's he's always going to be over with the AW fan base. I can always heat him up and throw him in a in a full match with with an Adam Cole. You know, like I said, despite maybe some of my misgivings about the uh, the head injury stuff. Yeah, do you remember? I mean, it was, but, go on, Jimmy. I was just going to say, do you remember the match he had with Orange Cassidy at the uh, pay-per-view? A couple of, it replaced one of the matches and it was really good fun. Mm. He's a good wrestler, John Silver. There's a limit to where he'll be in AEW, but if you want a crowd to be involved in a match, 
you put him in there. And he probably doesn't hurt that he makes Adam Cole look bigger as well at the same time. So, yeah, I, I didn't put my rating in, but for me, it kind of fitted that three and a half star good TV match. Yeah, it was like three point three point two five to me. I put it was it was you know you know I'm a big fan of John Silver. It was just a great chance for him to just get out there and just emit some of that personality. And yeah, for me, it's is it's it's just a case of where you can just get that strong character babyface who can lose, come out, put him in matches like this. He can actually wrestle, get the crowd going. You know, he just he seems perfect perfect placed to to me in this, and he can be somebody who can be doing fulfilling this role for two or three years probably with, you know, he's, he's clearly a very creative guy when it comes to just little, you know, one-liners and little things that he can just get over and things and even just basic stuff, even just like mouthing along when like Martha Henry's doing the, like it's time for the main event and things, you oh, know, it's just yeah. been something that was just, you know, just very visually engaging kind of thing on screen as well. Dead basic, dead easy, dead simple. And just, um, just, just again, putting a smile, putting a smile on your face, doing something a bit different to everybody else. Definitely. Um, I suppose a, a similar few. You mentioned there the uh, you know the matches supposed to be false count anywhere or ever at the pay per view. I think they're doing the mm. same ish dip, aren't they, with the uh, this inner circle Americas slash American top team thing. I think that yeah. was no DQ as well. Um, be interesting how they separate those two matches out. I mean, going back to Dynamite for a minute. I mean, what? You- I mean, I everyone knows my thoughts on these segments. Like, it continues to be a feud that obviously works, obviously gets over in the in the buildings. You know, whether you know Jericho's and, and the lads are being very nineties with their <laughs> with some of the uh, their comments uh, about the American Top Team um, lads and ladies. Um, yeah, it was very. Uh, you know, it wasn't the uh, the most uh, progressive. Uh, angle I've ever uh, seen in my life, but it continues to be over. You know the the stuff that you know you could see, you know a million miles away coming that, that Dan Lambert was going to be, you know the uh, the fifth member of the American Top Team side. Maybe a little bit shocked at the uh, the other names that are that are included there. That are Andre Arlovski is joining uh, Junior dos Santos on that on that team too. But every bit of it got over, didn't it? And maybe it's for you know some kind of hidden fan base that's not us because yeah i hated it but it worked and yeah what are you gonna say yeah i'm just um it's it's not for me this you know again it was what it just felt like it went on you know for a painful painfully long period of time and as as has been the case with a few of these promos and when you've got this happening in the same week that you've got that Kingston thing happening and then in the same week you've got this happening this was just a this was just a turn off for me yeah, at and least just, Jericho wasn't know, on that... one page doing commentary mate we got one small mercy imagine him shouting all over that segment they <laughs> took the piss out of him a couple of times didn't they did you Did's hear they? them no what they say during the ad break oh no when the ad break went off they were like going oh so I thought it was Jericho and then Taz went what like just sort of screamed <laughs> and I was like oh hello, they're taking the piss like they're on dark they've just forgotten that they're like <laughs> You know, there's all these people on Fight TV watching. But uh, just that whole, whatever, Paige Van Sant saying, like, I'll take a whole five of you and Jericho do it. And, you know, like, oh, that joke writes itself. And you're just like, no, you wrote that joke, Jericho. You gave <laughs> you know, her that you line. Told her, <laughs> no, you yeah. told her to say that. Your, your 30 years ago brain, to, you know, decided to do that. And it just, just comes across as lame. And I, I think... Van uh, came across well. Like, she came across as someone she, I, I want to see in wrestling full time. Yeah. 
She does. She's, she, she, yeah, I think in every segment so far that she's been involved with, she's she, she's come across like somebody who's been involved in wrestling or something. <laughs> you know, she almost kind of has that that element to her, like she sort of gets it kind of thing. And she's definitely like making, I don't know, the way she's delivering stuff and things. She's definitely made the most of her screen time and mic time and things like that. And again, it's it's definitely a potential career path for for her. But I mean, this whole thing. You know, it's just, it's almost just like classic Jim Cornette been stuck, you know, in a match as with the Midnights or Bobby Heenan been stuck there in a match, you know, with a tag team of the day or whatever, you know, and just leading up obviously to Dan Lambert getting caught in the ring with them and things like that. You know, it's just very just old school wrestling from that point of view that you you know the the heel mouthpiece is going to end up getting his uh, getting his whipping from the baby faces sort of thing, which. All I can hope from this is is that that's it. That draw. That's like the full stop at you know at full gear. Is that's the end of this, and you know, take things away and push things in another direction because I I cannot be doing with any more of this beyond uh, this weekend. Well, <laughs> I've I've, I've it's a Jericho feud, in it, so there'll be another pay per view cycle. Yes, <laughs> yeah, there will be for that. I have to say, the mind does go sort of running off the idea of Junior Dos Santos and Andrea Orlovsky as a tag team. Like, uh, <laughs> I think that ass. alone, I, that's how you push them. <laughs> or what you do is you put them in a big match in the Tokyo Dome far too early in their careers. Shit the bed. That's probably a lot more likely, but I'll be honest, like it really peaked with the Masvidal knee. Like mm-hmm. that was the point I was like, like this is kind of crazy and fun. And these promos have dragged it down like sort of since the kind of wacky fun to just become, Oh, it's just this shit again. And yeah, hopefully it'll, I imagine it ends here, but Paige Van Sant, when she was in UFC, there was a lot of talk of WWE wanting to get her in and an interest in that. And now she's with what the, um, Oh, Oh God, what is it? The bare knuckle fight. She's doing bare knuckle, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah. Can't be on the biggest money. Massive social media following as well, like various kind of things like that. There's value in trying to go for it. It's at least worth the attempt. It was a, a better uh, promo segment uh, on Dynamite. Was uh, was MJF and Darby Allen? I thought they were a really good um, go home segment with these two. Obviously, you know Darby's got his limitations on the mic, but I, I never think he's bad enough that like he necessarily brings segments down. You just know his strengths are, are kind of elsewhere, don't you? And I think obviously MJF can can carry the other promo side for both of them, but. I love this as far as like a wild brawl with like you know the the uh, the the, uh, the partner of the Red Sea with uh, with Darby you know literally taking MJF out over the uh, over the guardrail it kind of escalated well and yeah added a lot a lot of heat to a to a feud that I think it's not been perfect right through but you know feels overall like a you know feud and a, a payoff uh, maybe I don't buy into this four pillar stuff uh, quite so much but you know as a personal blood feud type I think this has been a quietly well-built match in the end and something I'm, I'm looking forward to on the pay-per-view now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I am. I mean, this has this is reminiscent of when MJF had that match-up again. If you remember the match against um, Jungle Boy and the kind of mini-feud, quite. Uh, this is probably about a year and a half ago, and it was like a, one of the better matches of MJF's career, and I expect this one to be a very good match. Um, 
because not only are they like there's going to be a lot of competition on this card of people wanting to stand out and this one has in danger of getting very much lost in the shuffle so i expect it again derby to do everything to kind of make this work but the promo segment for this i just i enjoyed the kind of yeah i mean the four pillar stuff it, it i think the name unfortunately for wrestling fans is the kind of unfortunate part really isn't it because mm. it's like the the compa- yeah there is no comparison put it that way um and i don't mean that entirely i don't mean that too disrespectfully but at the same time i think this is like still doing a job and, and i i like we haven't seen the kind of interaction between Jungle Boy and Derby. Yeah, it's all been kind of always against MJF. And I think there comes a point where you need to have, like you've had Sammy Guevara, uh, Derby Allen, but I think there's other areas of which they could go in that are perhaps a little bit more interesting. So I think this kills a bit of time. I expect MJF to win. I thought this was, I thought this was dull. Oh, you like, like it? I don't I'm like it's I'm, I'm like literally looking at my notes here and I'm just like I've written the word dull and I've got like I've uh, I've talked about like the Derby mask lads coming out to stop MGF like walking away. But, no, I, I, forgot about but, uh, but, but I just I haven't really got any strong memories of this like outside of that. It, it's it's not something that's left a particular mark on me as anything to get like particularly excited about or there's nothing that's jumped out as particularly memorable about this this promo like it's one of them where i think in the ring on the day i'll enjoy what these two bring but i don't know this this segment didn't like the part clearly of the like you said you when you were saying that i was like i did i was like did that happen oh, like kind of thing no, i don't, I don't even remember that gonna stick it out <laughs> <are we>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there you go. Maybe I, maybe I needed to watch it more closely, but it was a it definitely one wasn't one that was like holding my attention or making me like think about it too much or anything like that. But um, but can't win them all, can you? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> well, speaking of which, uh, we had the continuation of whatever's going on on the Codyverse on uh, <laughs> Dynamite. Uh, I did. I noted that Tony Khan when he was on uh, Observer Live with Alvarez, he did outright say. The reason Andrade and uh, and Malachi Black are uh, teaming up is because they've got a woman in common. Um, one of them's former manager and one of them's current partner. So, I suppose that's canon, <laughs> even if it still makes no sense that they're uh, they're knocking about with each other. Um, as a match, it was all right. You know, it was, you know, it was. I don't know. It, Cody's book, and I don't understand at the best of times. I don't hugely understand what's going on with. FTR and Andrade and MJF and all of that kind of combination and you know like I say it's building towards a a tag match which like I say doesn't seem like the, the best use of, of Park and the best use of, of Malachi Black coming out of his own Cody feud it's you know, all seems a bit confused uh, with all of this stuff JP yeah it's completely confused I haven't got a clue where it's going mm. um, I, I mean there's a match I <laughs> It, Andrade had been in a nice little role, really, and I, th- I think this one was just sort of, you know, at three stars at best is what I've kind of, you know, got down here. I can't make head and the tail of it, to be honest with you. The tag match feels like wrong because it's just all weird bedfellows. Mm. And I think it takes something away from Malachi Black and yeah. Andrade, who they've kind of been getting back on track. And I think it just mires them in stuff that is like you say, it's part of the Cody verse and 
and it's going to probably be taken over by the crowd if it's something that goes on at the pay-per-view because I imagine they're just licking their lips to just boo him, you know, and carry on that stuff. So I could see this just being something that just doesn't work, doesn't click. Pack and Cody is just weird in and of itself. If it was just a four-way match, I wouldn't be liking this. I'd like this less as a tag. Yeah. Like Cody is someone who just needs to go, right, we need to put some plot points. We need to go, where are you going to be in three months' time? Tot- like, what, what are you going to be at the next pay and build to that? Well, conversation last week, and bear in mind, Tony could be working because what's he supposed to say? But, like, he was basically saying on Observer Live that, like, the question was put to him, you know, have you been surprised by, you know, Cody getting reactions that maybe aren't what you're after? And he basically said, well, it's been a while since Cody's got reactions that we're not after. It's like, okay, well, that's interesting. And then on the Wade Keller interview, Wade pushed him more on it and was like, well, you know, do you think the John Cena model is, you know, a, a model that, that worked or a model you should base on? Like, is it a good idea type of thing to, to have somebody as like a tweener and you know, maybe he has to say it because, you know, there's a heel turn coming and he doesn't want to tip us off. But Tony was kind of defending it, going, ah, well, you know, it's up to the fans how they, they want to react to Cody. And, you know, as long as he's getting a reaction, I'm happy. And, you know, it did give me some fear, you know, based on our conversation last week, Gareth, that like, oh, God, maybe, maybe we really are doing Cody Cena. Um, but the thing is, if they are turning him, you, you can't say that either, can he, in these interviews? So I don't know if you put much stock on it. I just still think that, you know, like we talked about last week or the, you know, point I raised last week about them just leaning into it more and more and more. And like there was that very strong line from Cody last week that was like, I will not turn, but the crowd are turning on him. And that is the, to me, the more they push and push and push and they like, again, they've got to stick, like to me, it can't be a quick thing. It's almost like, you just want to get to the point where the whole crowd is against him, not just the, the pockets that we've got currently. And then as a heel, it's the perfect, it's, it's almost like the perfect plot line of like, I haven't turned. I, I, told, I promised you I wouldn't turn. You've turned against me. Like, and, and it just really, that line last week just stood out as been so strong that it just made me feel like that line is going somewhere. It just felt a bit, a bit odd and, and, and stood out from that purpose. And if that's the case, then I think that's something that's, again, as a plot device or whatever i think it's 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 very clever and i think it's something that they should lean into you know very 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 strongly this shouldn't be something that that, that, that is quick they it should be pushed and pushed and pushed to the point that everybody hates cody Rhodes and is sick of having cody Rhodes pushed and then you have got this you know real strong guttural you know hatred of him behind him and then you've got you've got this perfect you've got this perfect heel character that's been spawned in that in in that particular way and you know i'd love to love to see it i mean as 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 for the other stuff that you've referenced there i mean you know i talk about like the simplicity and some of the stuff with like the danielson miro stuff and the kingston um punk stuff like (laughs) I, i won't extend that to 
I'm friends with your lass for being the reason why um, Andrade and <laughs> Alistair Black are suddenly uh, knocking, <laughs> knocking them out to each other. That's a bit. That's a bit too simplistic and a bit too loose from that perspective. I'd like to. See, I'd like to see a bit more more than that, and it, especially when it's I'm friends with your lass, and we're not going to say, but everybody knows it. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's a bit. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned there uh, FTR were uh, were involved in the in in this stuff as well. They had a hell of a night on uh, on Dado. What the fuck was going on in that tag with uh, you know, the uh, the the former um, what you call it Callisto and uh, fucking oh. Austin? I don't know what was going on. Aerostar, Aerostar sorry, tried to yeah. kill himself a couple of times, didn't he? He, he succeeded to be honest, because like I hated this match on first watch. And I felt bad for them rewatching. I actually gave it. I think I went like two and a half to three point two five on grapple, mm. only because I felt so bad for Aerostar. Because like, there's a point early in the match where he quite clearly fucks his leg because he is a bit like uncontrolled and not the most, you know, like I say, with it kind of flyer. Like he's definitely there's always a leg. Oh, he's nearly killed himself or, a couple of times to triple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, he's definitely prone to that type of stuff. But he fucks his knee early in the match. And then Callisto, who hasn't come across well this week anyway, with the you know the stuff with uh, with Brody Lee and you know mentioned spelling John wrong and Jericho kicking off a bar as well as we can we can mention that as well. But like he spends the whole match just forcing Aerostar to these spots. Like Aerostar's clearly wanting to just die on the outside of the ring. Like he's just setting up a the tag team spot and he's like go on go to the top rope mate go on jump off go on now, now do a runner and he's forcing him to do these spots and and get through this match and in the end on second watch i kind of half enjoyed it as like just seeing this poor fella try and gut it through the match um but yeah it was definitely it came apart at the seams at a, a point as well and yeah it was uh it was just a weird old match really and it wasn't i can't imagine um you know the former colossal samurai del sol and an aerostar getting signed up to aw based on it on this book performance yeah i thought it was a shit show i, I really <laughs> like I, I, it was i was it was you know two and a half stars it was uh, why is this on my tv kind of thing like it, it looked it, act, it actively looked bad and like again i was just left with the same thought at the end of it even before you know never mind the twitter discord and everything like that about you know the brodily stuff and things like that I was just left with, why would you be have any interest in these two guys? That was just dog shit. It just really, really, really was just, was 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 mm. very very average, and to me, it stood out like a sore sore thumb. And I, yeah, I didn't want to see any more of either of these two. I don't think we will. I think based on like the, like I say, the the Jericho stuff. Like, I don't know what was your take on that, Joe? Like, I think my impression oh, is yeah. that like Amanda Huber, you know, like Brody Lee's wife is. I think she's clearly had a way of a Jericho and gone, this fucking knobhead. Like, this Callisto is like, oh, my, my friend John. He's like, you ain't his friend. Like, I'm sure, like, it's just, it's one of them. And, you know, I don't think it is acted particularly well by, you know, airing the daily laundry in public. No. Probably that fucking uh, younger Callisto's chances of, uh, of getting back in AEW. But I, I think there's more to this story than we are seeing public. Yeah, I can imagine that being the case, but... Like you know, Christ above, do you need to do that? Do you know what I mean? It's 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 very childish, is how I'd look at it. If you had a real problem with him, like kind of have a word with him, but I don't expect him to be hired by AEW anytime soon. So, no. like, and certainly not on the back of the of the match as well. So, and to be honest, they don't need him. So, it, it's one of these things that will disappear into the ether and becomes a, a weird little. Oh, do you remember that was a thing? 
I think it is. I think that's the way it's going. Um, I was gonna say all, all the cleanup. I suppose we haven't talked about it because I think the main few, the main go home is coming on Dynamite this week. But we didn't get much in the way of interaction of uh, of Kenny and Hangman on these shows, other than you know Kenny and Alan Angels having another uh, strong back and forth match, um, which is what those uh, those two lads do and uh, killing the business. <laughs> uh, I think well, I, I was way Keller who started a lot kick off on the first one. I do I do think he was. He was right, but it wasn't the end of the world. Um, and you know, Alan Angels is somebody you can put in there with a Kenny, and not not on the level of a John Silver, but you know, can surprise you with a, a decent uh, is matching. Kenny's going to be Kenny. He's going to be he's going to be generous, isn't he? Um, but yeah, they did the little angle after the match, didn't they? With uh, with Hangman coming out and uh, and chasing him off, which was uh, which was well done. But I think we're getting the uh, the proper stuff on uh, on Dynamite with the uh, the uh, WWE trademarked uh, contract signing um, on Wednesday night. It needs to be strong, I think, because it feels like something. We're not peaking, are we? It's mm. it's not as hot. It doesn't feel as hot as it felt two weeks ago, and especially coming off the back of that Punk Kingston stuff, and you know, even even the Danielson Miro, that 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 jumping out there in terms of in terms of important. This this was one where, to be fair, they didn't put a great deal of prominence on it. The two shows this this week, it felt like something where. They are waiting mm. to, you know, turn the gas up on it on it this week potentially. But um, but yeah, whatever they do this week, it really needs to to hit the mark because, you know, I barely, I mean, you mentioned it in there. I barely even remember Kenny and Hangman been in on the TV t- TV this week kind of thing. Yeah. Which one week out from the pay per view isn't good. I, I would I would go with that. I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to the match myself, like because I'm obviously heavily invested for a long time. But it does definitely doesn't feel as hot. We haven't Even recaptured the, the heat. That, sorry, JP, we haven't recaptured yeah. the heat, have we? That we had before Hangman, you know. Yeah. lost and disappeared for a few months like even you know those few weeks felt like as hot as this program was, and it's going to be yeah. a task to get it back on Wednesday. And they were doing. I thought, I, I thought they were gonna though with the comeback when he came back and the way that crowd reacted. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Was it? It was it the. It was the. Was it the battle royal the casino battle royal? Or yeah. That, that and then he cut that promo at that moment. Mm. And yeah. But, but it just it's just tapered down from that point. I, I, I thought he came back. That I thought that was hotter than anything at that point. But then uh, I don't think that, I, I, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they've capitalised on it. I agree, like, JP. The ghost list of shit was down. Yes, JP's on my side. Those, it, was, it was dark, like, for, like, a main event angle. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, uh, but ultimately, in the scheme of things, like, I kind of expect them to get it back on track because I think it's the idea of putting the pressure on them in order to do it. Hmm. Um, I'm absolutely certain the match will deliver. Yeah. Like, of, of anything here. It is... It has a chance if everything goes according to plan and that's saying a lot in wrestling to be like honestly to God to be not only a, a massive star making performance like you know making a star I expect him to kick, kick out of a one winged angel and all sorts of stuff like that but like I think this could be like a real classic singles match like, I think Adam Page has got that much kind of, like there is the potential for it and if it's motivated Kenny Omega going, oh, I'm going to be building up a next star. And I think it'll lead to the next evolution of the Kenny character. I hope to God where it's serious Kenny because he's lost the title and other stuff like that. You don't hold that hope. I don't blame you. No, Sorry? I think, he, I think he, you know, Garrett said that before and you're right. You know, Kenny is, he's not the, he's also not the age he was, you know, when he was best mm. belt machine and had the opponents and, you know, all of the other arguments behind 
what type of wrestler i don't think he wants to be that wrestler anymore i to be honest like it's probably a big conversation we can have at some point when the title reigns over but like i think this title reign might be a little bit defined on this last match like i've got every confidence it's going to be great and i think that's why yeah. kenny's going to go out there to have you know a near five-star match with with hangman page but you know maybe if you know the they get everything right, which I've got every confidence they will, and you know he puts over, you know, Hangman the right way. I'm not, I'm not subscribing to the uh, the Bubba Ray Dudley uh, school of thought that uh, the Hangman should uh, should no. lose, but you know, Josh Alexander, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Miro to... comes out, squashes him in two minutes afterwards. <laughs> I suppose it depends how Wednesday goes. You know, if they get if they get it, you know, back to you know the the level it was it was at. Mm. But I think Kenny's reign is probably going to be defined by this Hangman stuff and. You know how how it goes at the weekend. Yeah, think so. I mean, it's a it's a funny rain with all that impact stuff in there as well. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it you're right. It gets defined it? by this. This Talk this is the, yeah. This is the chart. I mean, between that and the Danielson match, they'll have been like hopefully the last two matches of his reign will have been two absolute fucking kind of belters. But it also shows you what the potential is if you've got Kenny Omega wrestling great matches. Like that's kind of really where the inherent value of having Kenny Omega there. But I don't think he views it that way. I think he views it as his the goofy, goofy shit. Yeah, and he, he's older. Doesn't want to kill himself this stuff forever. But you have got it up your sleeve. You have got it up your sleeve that you go serious. Kenny is there. That he loses the belt and he goes, fuck Adam Cole, fuck the box, fuck this shit kind of thing. Like, um, you know, it's it's there as, like as a route. It's, it's, it's a route that they can go down. But, yeah, I'm like literally just sort of pondering over that title reign as you, as you talk there, really. And I, I probably haven't really considered it in its entirety particularly and maybe it is something that we do need to kind of pick the bones apart of of once it's uh once it's 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 run its course but yeah there's been a lot of odd like big matches really hasn't matches, there? Isn't it? that's my yeah, biggest bugbear yeah, yeah. it's, the, it's the fact that he did the three away with orange Cassidy and pack and he did the christian match which yeah. you know i know i'm going to be the low man on but didn't feel worthy of a kenny Murga big title defense to me like I, there was the triple a and you know me and steph were talking about it on wrestling daily on we kind of talking about like is is you know omega overrated which is a leading question but you know the answer is no but you know how's the title right Wayne bin was more the crux of the conversation and we were talking about like you mm. know we all expected something about from the belt collector to come that never really came you know that didn't really really materialize to anything too interesting or like any there's no match of the year candidates in there either it's been a weird old reign really um i, th- I think a- when you think about the age when you think about the AEW world title in general, really, I suppose, because obviously the bulk of Moxley's reign came in that time period where there was no crowds as well. You know, he essentially was like the lockdown champion, wasn't he? And so you didn't get the you didn't get the the crowd reactions to the Moxley stuff. The Omega stuff's been largely underwhelming. The Jericho run was. Did you ever run like it, was, it felt yeah. like more like you had the champion. It, it felt like it, it, it was it was an establishing of a belt early mm-hmm. early on, but it's not something that you're going to look back and go like, oh, that Jericho AEW World Title run was a cracker kind of. You know, you know, you're not, you, it, yeah. it, I almost I almost feel like I almost feel like it's it, it probably is right for having a champion who 
does kind of just I don't know have that rain that's maybe just got a few bang- <laughs> a few bangers with it and and feels like this is the world champion this yeah. is the top guy and he's going out there and he's having real main event matches time after time after time and I'd like. Is Hangman the right person for that? Maybe. I'd like to think so. You know, I'd like to think this moment can be kind of so sort of star-making that potentially it is something that that it can be ran with. But equally, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure it's 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 going to be going to be the case. I don't know. It's a funny position. I'd probably put it a bit stronger than I even intended. But like the thing that kicked off, you know that show ended up doing with Steph was because I put on Twitter it's felt like AW hasn't had a world champion for so long it's become normal and <laughs> I know that's a that's a, a you know a strong way of putting it but it has felt that like that a little bit I think Kenny Kenny's tendencies he's not you know even see when he's out with the elite when he's out with the books he does kind of you know fade into the background a little bit he's not a selfish wrestler he's not somebody who seems to enjoy that spotlight so much and also like i say the matches the booking you know haven't quite come off he's never he's never felt like the centerpiece world champion like aw like how much do we love aw and how much do we rave about everything mm-hmm. that's going on in aw and you know a point steph made was you know aw's a promotion where unlike wwe we're not maybe focusing on one thing like say it be roman reigns there's a lot of different feuds and things going on that we're all enjoying and focusing on and is that the way it will just be done in aw where there is a world champion but it's not like it's the ultimate focus of every show but my counter to that was that i think there's room for that i think that would be the one thing that would take aw you know to that next level to have a focused world champion whether it be danielson or somebody like that in future who is the you know world champion feeling you know rick flair coming out in a suit type you know champion who's the anchor of the promotion and is like the focus Mm. of the shows with all this awesome other stuff going around it but at the end of the day the world title is the most important thing in the in the promotion that's what's maybe missing a little bit i think they've entered I would say I would call it phase three. I'm not going to go into it, but they've entered, they've doing one of those Marvel jobs where if you think about it for a lot of their pay-per-view main events, they've really kept their powder dry of the really big stuff they could go in like, and now obviously with, with punk and Danielson in there and hangman page, there's a lot of fresh opponents and different stories to tell. And hopefully we're coming to the end of the Kenny Omega one as well, which then would mean that you can take him out of the spotlight somewhat. Cause we saw with that tag title reign, like they had a fucking five star match, didn't they quite casually had one of the best tag team matches of all time. Um, so whether or not he, you know, I believe it's the storylines they need. And these hot storylines are the things that are going to really, take them to that next level that is what they need and they need to do that and it needs to be serious and i think you take kenny out of that main event mix and you've got some people who can tell some of those stories in a take it in a different direction for a little bit that's why i was kind of looking i mean we again we've not really talked about john moxley but the um but with him, like him as a as a in a heel run for me seemed like a really interesting dynamic and something a bit different and the kind of thing that felt like it would be taking it on board. And I keep Hangman as your champion. You've got a whole different list of challenges there. 
you can you can do it. It's gone talking about him already as champion. It's not even fucking happened for another week. And they might so. have been going straight from Hangman to Mox. That might have been the idea. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. With so. Heavily, they were leaning into Moxley becoming a heel, and he was probably winning this tournament. Like maybe he was going to be the guy. Maybe maybe Hangman's not. You know, he's going to get the homicide run. He's going to get the the month, and then he's going to get you know, or, yeah. or, it's, or it's ghetto booking where you know you win the belt, but it's not the real winning of the belt. You get you get your proper reign later on. Don't know. Uh, my my whole thought, thought process there is just listening to all this unravel as we're talking about there. I'm just thinking like Omega should be Flair. Like that's that that's he should have been Flair. He should have been Ric Flair. NWA, WCW, Ric Flair, and Hangman's his Sting. Was you know something something like that. It just it just you know where you think of a figurehead world champion who can credibly go out there and be the best match on the card any given night like I think sorry Ric Flair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think as much as, as as I get more enjoyment out of the Kenny comedy stuff um, try not to smile you do, Carry than, than you do I think I think but I think a part of my brain has just opened up to the point tonight that, that <laughs> yeah, that he should have been, he should have been serious. It should have been serious all along. This isn't something that I've particularly given any great deal of thought to in the past, but but now as I think about this defining AW World Title run and who 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 are the sort of chess pieces on the table who they can use or who's likely to be used in in, in the next, you know, twelve to twenty four months. Yeah, this this Omega run should have been more of a defining. This should have been the first defining world title run, and it absolutely hasn't been. Yeah, and that's the and and the thing is, you know, to to, to stop you from getting the uh, the pelters that I get when I say stuff like this, <laughs> and I'm so glad to have you on the team, mate. Um, you know, we're not saying we're not throwing. I use the phrase we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not saying it's been a complete failure or business is down or. They've gotten away with it, and it's fine, but it wasn't the optimum. You know, I think that's probably true, depending on what happens, you know, next Saturday and, you know, how things look after that. I mean, it's going to be great. The match mm. itself is going to be great. If it's a title change, it's going to be a great moment and things, you know, things like that. But, yeah, on, on reflection, sitting back and thinking about this, where you've got, you've you, you've had the Kenny turn, You've got the person who, in theory, is the best wrestler in the world. And does he feel like the best wrestler in the world right now today? Does he feel like he's been presented as the best wrestler in the world? Has he added anything to that world title belt? Has he elevated it beyond where it was previously? Like, yeah, I don't think he has. That's what I really, I, said I, the I same really... thing about the IWGP title run. Hmm. If anything, actually, that that was actually substantially a lot more disappointing. I was fighting that fight then as well, but that, I didn't have such a good argument because all I could talk about was BTE skits because that was the thing with Kenny <laughs> as the IWGP champion. His worst instincts were hidden away in multi-mans, in you know, BTE skits, in promos that were for a Japanese-language audience. And all we ever talked about was the big matches. And it was like, yeah, so it's worked. Whereas in AEW, I think he's been expected... And it's a shame we're doing this in hour three, like, but he's, <laughs> it's it's a good conversation. But I think in AEW, he's yeah. been as a TV promotion, he's been exposed a little bit in some of his worst tendencies. I think he had to be a world champion who was on TV weekly, 
and he does lean into comedy a little bit you know too much you know for my personal liking but also you know for the the weight that comes with with AEW champion and i think it has exposed a little bit of his his worst tendencies and unlike the iwgp run and just his his new japan run in general you know you can't ignore that stuff that stuff is part of the the presentation and to add on to it as you were saying gareth unfortunately for him you know whether it's been booking issues or you know planning going wrong he hasn't had the big world title matches, he, at least you know, as far as pay per view matches go, as good as the Danielson match was, as good as this page mm-hmm. match is gonna be, he hasn't had those that can even cover for it either. And you can almost like we did with the BTE stuff and the the wackiest stuff he did in the undercard tags in uh, in New Japan. You know, we can't ignore that stuff for the sake of these big matches because they haven't really came. I want to. Uh, I'm just sitting here just thinking like, yeah, I want to do a deep cut on this, definitely. <laughs> I just want to I, I want to unpick this entire run week to week. I want to <laughs> I want to track what happened on a week to week for this entire title run because I kind of, I feel a bit I feel a bit like I've Roddy Piper and I've just put a pair of glasses on because I, I, I clearly <laughs> haven't thought about this deeply enough until this point in time. But um, as I'm, I'm, I'm now just feeling like... Yeah, now I think about this in in, in more detail. This is uh, this is more uh, more disappointing than I than, than I would have thought it was if you'd have asked me on the surface, but with a with a bit more thought. Who knows? Maybe in a deep cut, I might uh, swing back the other way a little bit more, and we might pick out a few but a few better things. But yeah, um, you look at that, yeah, uh, that Moxley it, coffin segment a little bit differently that we had this. <laughs> you know, the need to the need to fucking. Um, they need to fucking deliver this week and deliver big time next week to to you know at least uh, at least transit uh, at least get get the hype as up for that mm. pay per view as they possibly can mm. and make that moment if there is a title switch feel as big as it should do and 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 it probably will do for the live crowd and it'll cross come across on the TV it'll feel like a big mega moment but um, but yeah maybe um, maybe maybe it could have been more. Deep cut incoming. That's what I heard there. That's uh, <laughs> definitely a conversation. Maybe it's IWGP run versus his AW run or something. We'll uh, we'll find a hook. We'll uh, definitely chat it more. Um, but yeah, I suppose uh, as we are nearing towards uh, the three hour points, uh, yeah. we'll question. be covering the other matches on the weekend preview. Yeah, show yeah. Well. I mean, yeah, any other notes from thing. AW or anything? Anything about the the TBS women's tournament? I mean, that continues to, to rumble on. A couple of relatively nondescript matches, I thought for that for that this pretty week. much. No notes really. Yeah, it's, it's business end stuff from next week. Uh, sorry, yeah, definitely. Well. Yeah, moving on from uh, from from AEW then. That was a fun chat. Enjoyed that. Um, we have got maybe fifteen minutes or so if we can just squeeze in the fact that New Japan had power struggle at the weekend. <laughs> I don't think it will even need the fifteen minutes. Um, uh, it should be though. It's full circle oh. moment, JP. You know, we watched Zack Saber and uh, and uh, and Shingo on the uh, on the mixtape episode, and they they went out there and had a had a main event match this week. You know, that's a that's a story. Naito's coming back. You know. There were a couple of mm-hmm. you know fun matches on this uh, this power struggle show as well, um, but yeah, I'm sure we can get through it in 15 minutes. Oh, I think we can do. Interesting one. I mean, if you want to start off with the main event, sort of first of all, I mean, it was it was just weird that they referenced the WXW match. That was the thing that really threw me out. I was like, right, I was talking about that just several hours ago when I was watching an English language commentary. Kevin Kelly brings it up, so I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I have to say, I mean, 
overall as a show, I think there's some stuff that's that's good at points. I think this main event at stages, like, you know, I thought it was just a little bit too long, but I thought when it got going, it was excellent. I thought the other match they had in the G1, I would say, is slightly better. But that's me having seen lots of stuff in the meantime for it. There was some, like, I mean, just to say as a comparison point with that WXW match, that's less than 10 minutes and was wrestled in 2009. There isn't some sort of, like, maybe they were telling a story that's connective tissue between these two matches, but I couldn't see it if that's the case. <laughs> They're like, would have been something abstract that would have just been lost on me. Um, but overall... What I would say is the atmosphere was kind of strange in the sense that they had like full capacity, but they could only clap. So it was louder claps than usual. So it felt a little bit more kind of animated, but clearly they're thinking it makes more sense for them to sell more tickets and not have them clap it and not have them screaming than, you know, just have it as half capacity for that. But I thought overall, I don't know what you thought of it, Gareth. I thought, I mean, I thought it was like a very good main event, very good, New Japan main event that perhaps we take for granted. And you think of Shingo and the matches he's kind of had generally and his title run has been like, we speak about Kenny Omega at points and that not reaching a level. This one has probably done as well as we could have expected given all of the things that have kind of hamstrung him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was the same as you. I didn't enjoy this match as much as the G1 match i thought the g1 match was better and i think a big part of that was that watching the g1 match and watching it unspoiled the you know having no idea of the outcome and the outcome you know been been in doubt you weren't sure which way it was going to go i think it sort of bled into the match what they didn't achieve in this match was they didn't create a single moment where i strongly believed that Zach was going to win the belt. And I think that's probably the biggest mm-hmm. failing of this this match for me is that that, that I, I couldn't suspend that, you know, disbelief to, uh, at all. And even, the, I, th- I think like the big spot they tried to go for was where Zach hit the PK and then he hit the um, Zach driver. And then you had like the Shingo kick out. I didn't, you know, I'd, I had no idea what the result was of this match when I was watching it, but I didn't bite on that in the slightest. I didn't think for a second that Shingo was dropping the title, and I think that was that was probably the the big thing with the. I don't know. It maybe made me struggle to invest in this match as 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 as, as much as I I could for the G one, and you know, clearly wasn't the case with other people. Like I look on the app. It's got a 4.41 average on the app. You know, I went four stars on it myself. It wasn't, you know, you know I think, whereas I think off the top, top of my head, I went four and a half maybe for the 4.25 for the for the G1 match. So it, it definitely stood out over and, a, over and above that for me. You know, again, it's, it's one of those very good match. It's always going to be a very good match when it's, you know, Shingo and Zach, it's a you know, forced it's four stars, obviously. It's a it's a it's it's a fucking belt of a, a match for for me. It was you know, it was there was great stuff with Zach working the arm and you know, Shingo's power coming into play and things like that. But yeah, just not quite not quite there for me in comparison with the with the G one or, you know, certainly the, the tippy top level of some of the um, New Japan main events. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that one. Like I gave it a four star, but it's like a lazy man's four star. Like I just, 
I've also invested. I'm not investing in Mondo New Japan, you know, but like to mm. add to that, it is. It's that lack of believability. Like I was watching this thing live and I was doing other things at the time, such as my interest in New Japan right now, especially this being, as we said in the pre-show, a, a car with no English commentary either, um, which shows the uh, the amount of effort they're, uh, they're putting in right now for their international audience, um, as well as, uh, as you said, Gareth, uh, not letting uh, anyone post any gifts. Why not stop doing English commentary too? But yeah, it didn't. I just didn't believe Zach was ever going to win. You know, I watched it unspoiled, yeah. and you know, it was a Shingo title defense, and it was a very good match. But yeah, it's almost like I don't know. Can you be bored by a four star match? I think I was um, <laughs> as good as you know the work was in there. But yeah. maybe that says says more about me. Um, did you guys have strong thoughts on Okada and, and Tamatonga? I mean, that's something I, I saw from the, the, the folks out there who have got a. Um, you know, uh, we were in that hostage situation and have started to uh, to fall in love with the 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 people holding them hostage. I think that's that's what's happening what here. Fucking on? <laughs> Honestly, like Tamatonga apparently is uh, is this killer. Like I I made sure I watched this match because I was like, okay, people are saying Tamatonga had this killer G one. I didn't see it. People are saying you know we had this breakout performance against Okada. It was fine. It was you know. It, Tamatonga took it off halfway seriously, is wearing some actual wrestling gear and, you know, wasn't doing the Bullet Club bullshit. And then he was in there with, like, one of the best wrestlers of all time. So, yes, we ended up with a, what, 3.75 star match, I think. Like, I don't think that, that's not me. I don't see how you're going to be uh, shouting from the uh, the rooftops about uh, of a Tamatanga, Tamatanga because of that. I think that just says, you know, yeah, if you're... Uh, you're forced to uh, to watch all this New Japan. Maybe uh, you know you take the bright spots where you can get it, but I don't. I still don't see it in Tamatonga. That sounds very Stockholm syndrome, doesn't it? Yeah, really, at it. that stage. Um, we talk about there not being any drama in the main event. Jesus Christ, there was never oh, in doubt it was true. fucking winning this. Mm. And I mean, I mean, I went three and a half because, and I thought to myself, oh, do you remember there was a time when people thought if they let Tamatonga have a go, honestly, he could be something really good this is the level he can reach. I three and a half stars, like top. That's kind of where he is. Like he's at the point now where he's probably a bit too old and beaten down to be able to kind of have anything at a really high level. I've my first two lines in this, this was good. Nothing more. Like it was, it's kind of like the main event, like, and really like a lot of this card in a way we're killing time and just moving chess pieces into position for wrestle kingdom. We need to get these things into a certain place so this card is functional in the sense it gets us to there. We want Kenta to have a match in the US, so we'll do this. You know, we, want, we need Shingo at the Dome and we need that that has to happen against the card, so we're going to have this. It's, so it, it ticks boxes. It was, as wrestling goes, kind of fine, but yeah, three and a half stars, mate. I don't know. If you're getting excited about this, look at yourself. <laughs> Well, I didn't get excited about it because it got to this point on the card and I just fast-forwarded straight to the main event and didn't watch this. So. <laughs> <laughs> How's it doing on Grapple out of interest for the uh, the, uh, the, 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 the Tamatonga truthers? 3.86. Okay. <laughs> so not in, not, in a, not in a card as top 200. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Put it like that. That says a lot. Oh, 3.86, good rate. It's like against the greatest wrestler of them on there. He's about to be voted into the, um, isn't it the Hall of Fame? Is he not on the ballot? 
combat. I don't get one this year, unfortunately, JP. I've been missed off by Big Dave. Um, might be because I didn't fill Same mine in last me. year. But... <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a, it's a 3.87 uh, Akada versus Broom. <laughs> <laughs> so just not getting one ahead. Otherwise known as Tangela. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, any strong thoughts on uh, Kenta Tanahashi or Despy Robbie Eagles? The other main matches on this uh, on this show. I quite liked Despy Robbie Eagles. I thought I thought it was a, a, a good match. I thought it told the good story of him going after Eagles' knee. My main issue isn't about the match because I like Desperado. It's just that why isn't he in the why isn't he in the heavyweight division? He's built like a heavyweight. He kind of wrestles like a heavyweight. He'd be fresh in the heavyweight division. And Bobby Eagles could have had more of a run here because I think it, it kind of felt fresh. He There was a point he's trying to get them all into an Aussie chant. And they just, they didn't, they were just clapping through it. They were just clapping. They didn't get it. They're not, they're not going to do Aussie, 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 oi, 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 are they? <laughs> you know, the best will in the world. But, so yeah, I just kind of came away from it thinking this was good. I went four stars on it, and but at the same time, like the crowd were were well into this. By the way, as well, there were points they were wanting to kind of shout and stuff. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it just gets it back onto Desperado to what Russell Horomo at the Dome. Been there before, haven't we? You know, this is did not do this like a year ago. Japan, I'd agree with you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I, I think they've got the, the, this whole two years is just going to be, turn out to be one big holding pattern, mm-hmm. and then the plans are just going to kick off from the point that they can put, you know, bums and seat from the point it the point it was. It'll be just like revert back to where we were, and none of this actually made any any sense. But this match get made o, a lot of sense. Get Ewing getting out of the shower. <laughs> exactly. That's, 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 it almost feels that way, doesn't it? It, it does. Um, it, that, that definitely uh, crossed my mind. But um, this match, this match was 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 spot on. Like I, I, I was like flicking between three point seven five and four. Like it was it, it was at that level for me, and it was. Um, I think it was one where at the start where it, it was a bit more high paced and flying, it wasn't as good. But once they started to work each other's knees, that's when mm-hmm. the quality started to show through. And you know, I think that's you know, Eagles gets pinned as you know from from the high flying standpoint. But I actually think his his mat work is 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 better than his his flying work. And you know, it's almost like he's. I don't know. He's, he's positioned incorrectly, I think, in a lot of people's minds. And I, t- I tell you what, I don't. From what I've seen of him in the last twelve months, I don't know if there's anyone who's a better seller than Robbie Eagles in the out, out there as well. You know, I think when when say he's with his knee injury in this match and you know he, again he's not selling dead with it he's still using it he's still doing things but it's still something that's evident throughout he's clearly like you know he's selling a lot of pain and things but you know uh, and he does it in, in in such a way that it doesn't look hokey and it doesn't look like overstated and things like that I think it's uh it's something that I really get like a you know I get a a, a lot of enjoyment out of Eagles from 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 that particular standpoint, but yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you, like JP, on this one. Just the the results felt odd, like it just felt a bit bizarre to me that he would lose the belt in this match now, kind of thing. It just didn't seem the right time, especially with you know the way they've you know uh, well. 
I'm assuming him and Tiger Mask have still got the tag, but junior tag belts as as well. So it's a bit it feels a bit kind of like shunting him to to one side there, unless they've lost them on one of these road two shows or something recently as well. But I tell you, mate. But the whole desperate desperate side of things, like because he. He had that never title match, didn't he? That must have been right at the. It yeah. must have been very early on this year, and that felt like that was a movement towards him going into the heavyweight division. Which, you know, clearly nothing, nothing's came of it. He's obviously, you know, he's back at this this point now. But um, I don't know. I feel like they could have got got more out of this Eagles run than they have. Any strong thoughts on uh, Kenta Tanahashi, or I suppose the other match we haven't mentioned uh, very quickly before we go, Yano and uh, and Great Khan and their, their amateur rules match. It was uh, that was funny I to see. That. It was uh, yeah, it was different, wasn't it? Like watching the scoreboard and stuff, and seeing Yano take a take a match seriously. I I didn't mind this to be honest. If you're going to put Yano and Great Khan in a match together, I'd rather this than Yano bullshit or or Great Khan bullshit. Mate, I went three stars on this. That's high. I like thought <laughs> that is high. It was complete. It's weird. It's completely straight laced, mm. but kind of enjoyable. Mm. They just wrestled it as an amateur wrestling match, and they kind of, with the scoreboard, it made it seem a little bit dramatic. But they kind of did a decent job of it as well. It was very, very weird. The only other note I have out of that could bit be the is that they what they could do. Sh- Shibata versus Yano, that would be a hold. I just thought they were setting up Okan and Hanare as a tag team for the tag league. That was the other impression I kind of came with. And I thought, yeah, why not? You've done everything else. <laughs> just, Fair. it gives a shit. Yeah, do, <laughs> do that. Um, the US title match, they put it on Kenta. He he lives in the States. He's going to wrestle. He's going to be defending this and all those um, shows over in New Japan and USA. That's what I thought as well. So I figured that'd be the case. There's no point Tanahashi having it. So, Yeah, my strongest thoughts about this match is, is probably the hair on the pair of them. Like, it was, uh, yeah. I don't know what the fuck was going on with Tanahashi. I felt like I'd switched on to like classic Coronation Street or something. He just had the proper Audrey Roberts hairdo going along there. And then you like looked across the ring and you've got Kenta with his blue rinse looking like um, fucking Phyllis Pierce from uh, back in the day in the Rovers' <laughs> return as well. It was just a, oh, Percy. Um, it was just, a, it was, a, it just looked a, an odd, odd dynamic. I think, um, I think, I don't know what, it was been styling Tanner's hair recently. But it's just, uh, I don't know. I, it, it, I thought he's looked shit in the last <laughs> last uh, last few uh, events that I've seen from from New Japan, and and this this yeah, and this this match itself, it just felt. I mean, it was fine. It was a three and a half star match, but it's Tanashi and Kenta, and you kind of leaves you feeling like you want a bit more out of it. I think, and I know they're both beat up and they're both run down, and I don't know. Maybe your expectations are too high based on where they are, but this just felt so formulaic. It was like I, I almost felt like I was. I could I could call spots that were coming next and things like that throughout mm. the, the match. It just felt very painting by numbers. This this one and very greatest yeah. hits, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And again, again, it was one of those. It filled a spot on the card. It, you know, flipped the title onto Kenta. That's obviously going to be used in that in that way. But again, it was one of those matches that I'll literally never think about ever again in my life after today. And I've got nothing to say. But anywho, we are uh, we're out of time anyway, so I won't <laughs> I won't bore anyone with it. Uh, any other thoughts? Anything else you want to mention? Any uh, any plugs? Anything? No, 
I think I did all, all the plugs necessarily. I'll be on the the, the sesh on the um, up next patron with uh, Davey Portman on Thursday. So oh, I think it's awesome. a lot. I'm recording on Thursday, so yeah, it'll be out very soon after. So really looking forward to that. Brilliant. Yeah, I'll be on BWE this week. Looking forward to that. More chat about Brit Reza mm. being dead. I'm sure. Maybe Andy will have a few uh, counterpoints for us. Looking forward to that. Uh, and your homework, mate. <laughs> no progress show last couple of weeks. You Martin put it away with it. ICW fear and loathing in the show notes. I was like, oh, fuck get him. We have show notes over there, by the way. It's a whole professional setup that we don't have over here. <laughs> but yeah, but it was just to talk about it. I was thought I was so happy. I was like, I'm not watching that fucker. If, if it's even out, I don't even know. Uh, but yeah, you can catch me on that on the uh, the BWE feed on uh, on Thursday. I thought you were doing a retro show or something there. I didn't even know there was one. <laughs> Apparently it's coming up. Yeah, that's what I'm told. Uh, oh, anyway. and, and obviously patreon.com forward slash grapple. So I think we've mentioned that. Yeah, but obviously we've talked a bit about full gear. As always, there will be a full gear link for people to order via grapple. So we get a little kickback off uh, of fight on that one. So um if you visit grapple forward slash support um might not be up there at the time that you're listening to this exactly, but I'll uh, I'll try my best. But if not, when you're coming to avoid the, order the event, make sure you go to the uh, grappleapp.com website. You know, click the support link across the top, and there'll definitely be a link there where you can where you can order it. And um, yeah, we get a uh, we we get a little kickback from fight as we say there. And also keep your eye on the Twitter feed on the the main like at grapple app Twitter feed as well because I'll be running a competition again as always to give away full gear for for free. So if you want to be in the chance to win win it and uh watch the event for nothing got to be in it to win it haven't you so uh yeah look out for that and ret- retweet or do whatever the instructions say you know, me and jp will enter that too um but anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's not fixed everyone we, we went through that in the pre-show um but yes uh, do all that i'll put the link in the uh in the show notes but yeah other than that spotlight uh again next monday talking full gear so yeah, look forward to that everyone mm. and we'll see you again soon Bye. Daddy. I love my stuff and the girl Daddy. just can't get enough.